welcome to episode 125 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode is called The Movie Game, as we'll be talking about how everyone in the game industry seems to want to be playing this game of making movies, essentially. Like, I don't know what it was, but the one topic that kept popping back up in the news is video game movies. I, I guess you could blame Angry Birds coming out, I guess you can blame Warcraft about coming out, but whatever it is... A bunch of games, a bunch of game companies are now suddenly like coming to Don't the big screen. Don't forget Assassin's Creed. Well, that's true. With the Kanye music in the trailer, that bit, that didn't fit in at all. Sure. Um, but yeah, so in light of all this, we thought that for this episode, it makes sense, given all this news, to dedicate a decent chunk of it to kind of dissecting and discussing like the plight of game-based movies. Like, first of all, what's coming out? And why it doesn't usually work, video game movies, and what can be done to maybe make a good video game movie or not, as well as some good examples, not just of games that become movies, but also the flip side, which are movies that become games. Some work well, some don't. There seems to be a decrease in them in the last, this generation or so, so we're going to look at all that, and of course we have other news to discuss in episode 2, so there will be some new 3DS game discussions, fresh details on Pokemon Go and Ukulele, and then we're concluding with a bit of a... A bit of a reference to the game movie idea, um, Angel, you wanted to share some Ninja Turtle top picks or top... I don't know which games you're talking about specifically. Yeah, I mean, actually, besides movies, yeah, this past couple of weeks have been very turtle-filled as far as news. Turtle-powered, perhaps? Yep. And yep. and it works new, out because... New game came out, movie coming out next week. Exactly, so yep. this is like in tribute to new all that. New toys getting announced. This is turtle heaven. Turtle time. Yep. But, Turtle time. Uh, yeah, so if there's any specific topic you guys want to hear, we have timestamps at ramtown.com for this episode, as regular listeners know. And if not, then I guess we should start things off with the, the movie news, because that's big, and it came out of nowhere. Literally, like, our last episode went live, and then, like, that same day, an interview with Nintendo's president, Tatsumi Kimishima, was published in Japan's, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Asahi Shimbun, which is, a, I think, a business newspaper over there. And in this interview, he pretty much out of nowhere was like, oh yeah, we're, we're making movies. I don't know if you knew that, but we're making movies. Like, in the next five years, we will have Nintendo movies. And it's like, okay, great. So, um, what he said is that Nintendo's actively looking into the idea of making movies based on their IPs. They don't want the same situation as the Super Mario movie back in 93. Uh, it was even called out by name in the interview, and Kimishima was like, yeah, we're not doing live action basically because of that. So we're looking at CG, we're looking at animated, and they're picking potential partners now. Um, the idea is they kind of want to keep it mostly in-house. So kind of like how they did the Pikmin shorts or Star Fox Zero, uh, The Battle Begins, where a lot of it's done in-house in terms of the writing and the concepting, and then they outsource it to a company to produce it on a global scale or distribute it on a global scale. So that's kind of how they're approaching it. Um it really is basically an extension of what they've done, and they're pretty serious about it, too. They view this as basically a marketing opportunity. Like, their idea is, well, we need to get more people to buy our hardware, more people to buy our games. It's all part of the IP brand expansion. So what we're going to do is we're going to put these movies out, and hey, they'll make us some money, too. But it's really about connecting people with these characters. And they're so serious about it, NOA, as in Nintendo America, is already hiring people for it. I found a job listing the other day, or, well... Go Nintendo found a job listing the other day for um, an IP art specialist whose job is literally to work with companies to make sure that Nintendo characters look correct in their stuff. Dude, that is so you. Why don't you apply? Because it's in Redmond and I'm in LA. Well, then move. It's cold in Redmond. Well, okay then. Okay, settled. But yeah, so 
of course, this all leads to more questions and answers. I just kind of gave a quick rundown to get everyone up to speed on what this entails. But the discussion comes in with, like, one, what, what would make a good Nintendo movie? Two, is it even possible? Can a video game movie be good? Like, what's wrong with video game movies? So I think we should probably start with what... It, like, which franchise do you think would make a good Nintendo movie? To you, at least. Because, like, Kimishima said, everything's on the table. He wouldn't confirm anything. He admitted, yes, Nintendo knows Zelda fans would like a movie, perhaps. But they didn't say anything else. Like, what? what if if you had to pick a, out of a hat, all the different Nintendo franchises, well, not out of a hat, if you had to pick out of a library, which one would you get? You know what's funny? Like, when I was thinking about, like, an answer for that, because, I mean, that's just, like, one of the first things you think about, like, all right, what would make a good video game mm-hmm. movie? All right, well, let's think of, like, video game you would want to see as a movie. Right. And initially, I think, all right, um, I guess, like, Zelda, because that seems to have a lot of story in there. But then I think about, all right, why, I mean... Don't get me wrong, like, I do like the Zelda franchise. I'm not the biggest Zelda fan, but um, from the few games that I've played, I really, really do like them. But then I remember, all right, why do I like them? Is it the story? And then I realized, no, I actually could care less about the story. If anything, if the movie was kind of centered on the story, I'd probably find it kind of boring. Because all I care about yeah. for Zelda is just the the traveling, like the you know, just the dungeons. Yeah, literally just the dungeons mm-hmm. and fighting the bosses. Like, yeah, the dungeons and the bosses. Well, I find... And... Oh, go ahead, sorry. I don't know, like, if you make a movie that's just Dungeons and Bosses, like, I mean, that's also not really a good translation for a movie, so... I don't know, it's, like, a weird balance that you can't... I don't know, just because, like, oh, Zelda's a popular franchise, I mean, you can just take the cookie cutter, just... Well, just take the plot and make it a movie. What I find interesting about your comment is, one, you, from... Correct me if I'm wrong, but you enjoy watching Elvis, your brother, play Zelda's a lot. But you're not watching for the... Right? But you're not watching for the story. Yeah, I'm watching for the gameplay. Which is interesting, because, like, you would be the, like, passive Zelda fan that Nintendo it presumably would be like, here's your movie, but you're not even in it for anything a movie would offer. Nope. Which is very kind of interesting to me. I'm, maybe in, I'm in it for watching them, yeah, fight the bosses, solve the puzzles, like, I mean... Maybe that's why that Amazon Prime uh, Zelda TV show fell apart. Remember the rumors but a it's year also ago not, there was going to be a TV show? And it's not like, like... That means I like to watch Let's Plays. I mean, I... I mean, it's only because it's my brother. Well, like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's very, like, I, yeah, I don't really, whoa. Nothing wrong. Rocking clipboards everywhere. Yeah, like, I'm furious. And nothing He's against so Let's Plays, but, yeah, it's just that one specific thing. Like, I just happen to, like, watching him specifically yeah. play games. And what's interesting is Nintendo has done movies before. Like, I don't even know, I don't even have an answer to my own question of which I prefer, but Nintendo has done movies before that have worked. In 2006 in Japan, they did an Animal Crossing movie. It did pretty decently and did not get horrible reviews. And, of course, they have all the Pokemon movies the first three were in theaters now that's not quite the same because there's a tv show and all that but at the end of the day it it is about taking their ip and flushing it it out it still counts yeah i I would say that that totally still counts and wouldn't that yeah i don't know it just works like that's probably one of the few franchises where you could get you could have a plot and still have it be exactly like the game because i mean pokemon battles are literally just a game they still do the whole type advantage stuff so you're still kind of like getting that game experience but you're still getting a plot or whatever plot you want to get i think metroid now that i think about it would be interesting they actually do you remember back in i think it was the gamecube days maybe it must have been the gamecube days after metroid prime but there's this director john woo who does like martial arts movies and a lot of stuff like that i remember he he had the rights to a metroid movie and nothing came of it but like metroid could in theory work i feel like because one it's very narrative heavy but not necessarily like in an in-your-face way. Like most people play for the exploration. See, so the... if they did a sing, I know, I know, I know, I know you're gonna say. But if they did, I was gonna say if they did like a 
if they treat it like some sort of weird atmospheric, it's one person up against the world. But how would that work as a movie? Now that I think about it, which is probably the thing too. Well, that and um, like the narrative part is like, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It's completely optional. Like some some people, I would even say, at least more than half of the people just kind of, especially for Metroid Prime, especially for Metroid Prime, because you have to manually scan things to get the information. I'm willing to bet most people don't read every lore bit. I and they just kind of. Ironically enough, I didn't, and I'm the one suggesting this. Yeah, and you're, and honestly, you're the person I would assume would read want to read everything because you would just want to. Get all the information but in order get to be a little level. overbearing at times. Like, it's yeah, a lot so, of information. Yeah, I mean, honestly, sometimes it seems like the best course of action, like, unless the game is already heavily plot-driven, like, it almost plays out like a movie, and the yeah. ones that come to mind would be, like, Last of Us, any of the Uncharted movies. Games. Um, what's that? Uncharted games, you said movies. Although they are making an Uncharted movie. They're basically movies. Yeah, they really um, are. Slight, yeah, subtle little jab at the Sony Pretty much anything made, by, <laughs> anything made by Naughty Dog. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, I feel like those kind of movies would already work best. Because you pretty much have them you just have to, at that point, figure out what you want to cut, which is tricky in its own right. I think Star Fox. Val Begins, the anime, makes me think Star Fox could. It's has action sequences, and it has just enough story that could get by. It would definitely be lighter fare than, like... It wouldn't be, yeah. like, a Star Wars competitor. It would be, like, a animated fun movie. You know, but... the funny thing, too, like... I feel like um, for most people, when you know that a, vi- a game is a video game movie, especially for people that don't aren't necessarily interested in video games yeah. in general, like that already might be a turnoff. Just the fact that like, oh, it's Zelda, oh, it's a video game, whatever. I'm not oh, gonna totally, bother. definitely. I mean, it almost seems like it might be a good idea, especially for those games where you want to make a movie out of it, but you can't exactly come up with a plot. Um, like going back to Zelda, like the the whole rumor from when it was going to be a Netflix show comes to mind, or when that was like mm-hmm. supposed to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think it came up where, like, oh, instead of it, like, following Link, it was going to be an original story, like, maybe revolving around Ganon or Zelda. And creating, like, your own story altogether completely almost sounds more interesting. It's like, all right, the people that played the games get some new lore. They get something that, I mean, they'll probably be the ones to watch it. And then anyone else that isn't too familiar will probably might not even know Zelda. They'll just like for for what it is. And then maybe, oh, I think Zelda that related? is what's key to any successful video game movie and why we don't see very many. I think you're really onto something. I think you cannot replicate, unless it's already basically a movie. I mean, look like at Hardcore Henry. You can't <laughs> replicate a game experience, but strip out what makes it a game and expect it to be as good. You just yeah. can't. You have to just come up with a good story first and then just... I mean, yeah. It needs to be a related... It needs to be part of the same, like, world, but it needs to be its own thing. But then if they drift too far away, it gets crazy. And and people hate it because it's nothing like the thing it's supposed to be. It's a really fine line. It's like a tightrope they have to walk. But no one's been able to walk it. But honestly, I feel like trying to walk that line would be a lot better than trying to make it both true to the game and create it entertaining for the general audience. Yeah, because I mean, you know what'd be funny? They huh. could either make a like a Call of Duty movie just by make like Hardcore Henry of generic war movie, and there you go, Call of Duty. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, there are a few, there are there are definitely some that could actually. Yeah, there are probably some movies because that would make it distinctly Call of Duty and not just yeah. another generic. Yeah, there are some arm. movies out. Pro- like I bet you, in many ways, you could skin Prometheus as a metric movie because it's about one girl who's essentially by herself, but then interacts with like. She has a robot assistant and then interacts with aliens. Like, that's not a huge step removed from Samus being alone and having maybe a Jarvis equivalent and then interacting with the chores. Chorzo. Yeah. yeah, I almost said chorizo, which is food. <laughs> with the chorizo or something. Like, it could. Chozo? Chozo. There we go. Thank you. It could 
it could work. Yeah. Like you just it can't it has to be a complimentary experience, not a core a complimentary yeah, I, I think thing. that's the thing, like which is honestly how I would prefer it. I like um kinda like the Ace Attorney, for example, ignoring that the current anime exists. Sure. Um, when I heard that they were gonna make manga for them for the games, I was excited, but I kinda actually didn't want them to just recreate the game because I mean, the games themselves are already basically visual novels. Mm-hmm. You're just reading everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to just have a hard copy of, like, the script, basically. So they just came up with original story that were set in that universe but had nothing to do with the games, which was cool. It was just more content for me to consume that was new. Right. And I feel like that would be cool from a movie, just more content just to add to. Like, oh, I love this interpretation of it. Yeah. but that, And it can stand alone on its own as a movie, but yeah. it can also tie in in very direct ways to the thing that fans already like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, like, the game industry, I feel like the way that movies have been pulled out of the game world is very similar to how, like, the comic book movie thing started. Like, they used to be pretty crappy, and then, like, Batman Begins happened, and then the Marvel Cinematic Universe happened, and basically, somewhere in there, someone's like, wait, what if we don't just copy-paste it out of a comic book, but kind of fit it to make no. sense as a movie, too? Like... I think the video game industry, like, it's interesting to... If, if you, like, map how game movies have evolved, it's actually kind of interesting. But I think we're now at the point I'll go through... I have a whole map and a theory of the three points of why game movies suck. But I'll get to it in a sec. But I think it's interesting that, like, we're at the point where a Marvel equivalent in the game world can step in and basically be do what Marvel did with Iron Man 1 for comic book movies, but for video game movies. Like, they can look at everything that went wrong with every video game movie and listen to our brilliant insight right here, right now, and be like, oh... Yes, I did just pat ourselves on the back really hard. But be like, oh, we can combine all these things and we can kind of hit a reset button on video game movies and maybe actually do them right. Ubisoft seems like they're trying to be that company. Like, they are doing a lot of their movies in-house. They have a movie branch of their company now. Like, Prince of Persia, I think, was prior to that, which is why it was more like like a a licensed movie. But then Assassin's Creed, even though it's apparently the opposite of what you see... In the games, where in the games it's mostly in the past with a little bit of the present. The movie's apparently the other way around. It's mostly in the present, a little bit of the past. Maybe, just maybe, that is going to be the complimentary experience thing we're talking about. Maybe that, maybe we saw figured it out. Maybe that's where the flip is, the switch is flipped. I don't know. But yeah, I think it, I don't know, part of it is also just time. Yeah. Like, um, for the most part, like, back in the day when people were still figuring out, like, how to make video game movies or even comic book movies, um, like, most of them were, I mean... It seems like a lot of them were just like executive driven, like oh, this is what seems popular right now. Oh, let's just make a movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. and and that's still the case, like a lot, like every once in a while. But overall, like I feel like the people that have been growing up with comics, growing up with games, like are now getting in those positions where they have much more say, and like and they and pretty much they're the ones that saw all these crappy game movies or crappy mo- like comic book movies back mm-hmm. in the day, and now they're like, oh, you know what, I want to make it better, and they actually come in with ideas that they're inspired. I mean, I feel like that's. No, kind of a good thing. I mean, uh, something that just comes to mind that I feel the good comparison to just how comic book movies have gotten good is also just the toy industry stuff. Because oh, back yeah. in the day, um, yeah. like toys, I mean, like sure, like we have all these classic, like very limited articulated toys. And I mean, some of them, like if you look back, like, well, they kind of suck. They didn't really look like the characters on screen. Like my favorite example is always just the Shredder. For whatever reason, he's shirtless in his toy. And he's <laughs> never been shirtless Ever. Ever. Yeah. So it's like, like, oh, all right, they just signed it off. They didn't care. They're just like, whatever. It looks kind of like them. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. But nowadays, like, we're getting 
like pretty much like yeah like i said the people that grew up with these toys are now the ones making them and now we have like six scale like super detailed like everything looks pretty much perfect like sure they're high-end but they're pretty much the toys we've always wanted but as kids right and i feel it's kind of the same thing with comic book movies and i guess like we're getting close to video game movies you're just getting more people that are actually passionate about it to actually make them i think you're right but it runs into a little bit of a danger because now there's almost a knee-jerk reaction from people that are growing up with games and being like i'm gonna do one for the gamers because i'm a gamer the one that comes to mind two that come to mind pixels uh no 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 because that was like not yeah. even I don't, that I don't that's know. that you know the thing about pixels is as bad of a movie as that was and we slammed it last summer when we talked about it on the show it did sort of capture the whimsy of like 80s arcade games like it captured the like absurdity of like the concept of like hey yeah you're this yellow guy and you eat some pellets and you do stuff and you're like i'm on board with that like the movie kind of had that same vibe it just didn't do anything good with that vibe but um but no what i was thinking is like and I hate I hate to say this, but uh, Warcraft, like the dude that directed it, Duncan Jones, I like his work a lot. Like he did a movie called Moon that was really good. Source Code was a fun sci-fi movie. He's a huge World of Warcraft player. Uh, the star of the movie, Rob Kaczynski, is also a big World of Warcraft player. He actually played it obsessively up until he became an actor, like to the point where it was like detrimental to his well-being. Wow. Like he was super into it. So what's happening is a lot of the reviews. It's out in Europe. It's not out here yet. A lot of the reviews I've been reading are like, oh, the movie feels kind of hollow or like it gets way into the nitty-gritty or it's just like, it doesn't feel like a movie but then all the Warcraft, or you know, it's just like it's kind of not put together yeah. as a movie should be but then all the Warcraft people are like, at least what I've seen online when just searching on Twitter, are just in love with it. They're like, oh, this is perfect. I love all these Easter eggs. I love how it references this and that and it brings in this thing and that thing and it's like, Maybe that's sort of the complimentary thing you were saying. We're like, yeah, because they I mean, went too far into the what the gamers want, but they could do something that references the game while also standing on its own two feet instead of trying to only be for the gamers you know what? or only and, be for the casuals. And sometimes you have to wonder, like, I mean, honestly, like that sounds fine. Yeah. The only issue I, I see is that um, they tried to market it as a movie for, for everyone to see. Like, if they if, like, if they did like wants it to be a movie, I know, yeah, yeah, that, and that's kind of the issue. Like, if they had just made that movie, and like, you know what, let's just market it only towards those gamers and make a limited release yeah. and then send it straight to digital. Like, that but Ratchet and Clank and Heavenly Sword and all those weird Sony movies that have come out the last couple of years but aren't by Sony, like the PlayStation movies, yeah. they're... Heavenly Sword is exactly what you're describing where it was like, well, we'll put it on digital release, the fans will like it, but then it, I guess it just wasn't good. And then Ratchet and Clank tried to do the gamer-oriented... Well, Ratchet and Clank tried to stay too close to the game to the point where like, I think it's literally you're just no. watching them play the game with extra dialogue in terms of the well, progression no, like, of the plot, um, right? No, they they kind of redid, they rewrote the story of the game to kind right. of fit a movie aesthetic. Uh, so like, so things aren't, yeah, it doesn't match one to one with the game. It's like a, but it's a retelling. It's, it's, it's what Star Fox Zero is to Star Fox sixty four. Gotcha, gotcha. So like they redid like like oh let's reintro let's redo how Ratchet and Clank met right. and all that okay. stuff. Just to kind of fit a movie, and then from that movie they make the game. So it's kind of so a it's weird a movie. Is it, it, it's, it's a, a movie game, based on movie, a game. game. Yeah, it's a movie based on a game, and then they made a game based on the movie based on the game. Well, at least I mean to give the current crop of to give the twenty fifteen sorry yeah it's twenty sixteen to give the twenty sixteen crop of movies credit. At least they're trying things differently. Like even Angry Birds. Well, yeah, I mean they're definitely experimenting. They which are, is, which is good and paves the way for Nintendo or someone else, Ubisoft, to come in and do it right. But like if you look, I started to say earlier, if you look at the history of these movies, it's so funny how you can like watch how they you can watch how Hollywood like kept knee jerking to bad experiences. Like first. There's like this, 
idea of like let's make a video you were saying earlier like exactly like that's popular let's make a video game movie of it or a movie about this game so it's like the problem is your game's only a sentence long in what it does mario save the princess how you make a movie out of that or like Mortal Kombat, Sub-Zero fights Johnny Cage. Okay, great. How do you make a movie out of that? Street Fighter. <laughs> or Street Fighter, like Ryu versus Ken. Okay, now what? They're fighting in the street. How do they get to the street? Tell that story. How do they leave their apartment and go to the street? That would be a movie. Yeah, that's like, the thing there too, isn't like, anything there. I mean, kind of like just, or books in general, like you can't, you have to know when you can, when you, you have to know what you can, yeah. yeah, what you can make. You can't force anything. I mean, some shows, or maybe games, yeah, both. Like, some are definitely better suited for a movie. Maybe some are yeah. better suited for, like, a TV show. Like, I mean, would Game of Thrones work better as a movie instead of no, a, TV show? a TV show? Like, Lord sure. of the Rings, or would Lord of the Rings would have, would have worked better as a 45-minute long TV show? Limited series, yeah. yeah. Actually, I probably would have. Um, I mean, just... But, the, then, but then Hobbit would have worked better as a single movie, but they made it into three, so... Yeah. God, the pacing in the first Hobbit is so weird. Anyway. Um, yeah, but that was like a money thing. To... Yeah, but the, the thing about like the two basic of apprentice thing is just this is kind of a throwback to something we covered years ago. But do you remember when we went to the Super Mario movie, Super Mario Brothers movie anniversary screening? There's this website. Um, do you, you remember going, right? Yeah. Yeah, because there's a website called uh, Super Mario Brothers movie archive. And all they do is document stuff about the movie. Like, they are obsessed with it. I don't know if it's a good type of obsession or They bad. made a sequel comic. Yeah, they made a comic book sequel, which we both own. Cause it, or, well, we own the first chapter. But anyway, so we went to a screening, and it was cool because the creators were there, like the screenwriters, the set designers. the A lot of people were there that had something to do with the movie. And the screenwriter at one point said in the panel after the screening... You can't make a movie out of the game. They'd just be running across the screen. That was his justification for them going totally off the rails with the plot in terms of what you expect from a Mario movie. And to be honest, he is totally right. Like, if you're going... Even if you go to a Mar- make a Mario movie now, which I don't think Nintendo should do, to be honest, but if they're going to, there's way more to work with now. But back in 1993, there really wasn't. Well, wasn't there an anime movie? But then again, they did go the live action route which which also yeah made, which yeah. kind of makes it way harder but like like it's just like that sentence the like you can't make a movie out of the game they just <laughs> of a right guy running the to the right yeah that that thought is literally the problem with every like first generation video game movie that was ever made everything was so bare bones kind of going back to my kind of like his one sentence premises you couldn't make a good movie you had to make stuff up and then everyone was like what is this because in the case of the gamers, they're like, this is stupid, this is not Mario. In the case of the non-gamers, they're like, no, this makes sense. Because they're trying to somehow shoehorn Mario into this ridiculous premise. And it, yeah. So the re- so if you're curious about the Mario thing, actually, listeners, um, I have an article. I'm going to shamelessly plug myself real quick. Because I'm actually, it's probably my proudest extra article I've ever written for a site. Because it's like a whole like expose with quotes and stuff. But... Yeah, if you go to the extra dumb. second, uh huh. If you go to the extra s- section of ramtown.com or just um, go to the blog post for this episode, we link to it. It's called Tales of the Super Mario Brothers Movie, and it sums up everything that was wrong with how video game movies were made when they first started getting made in pretty much a nice little package. So it's exactly what Nintendo shouldn't do, and it's why Kimishima said they aren't going to do stuff like this. And I, I think it's actually really interesting, like the whole backstory. So. So that that's phase one of video game movies and why they suck. Then I think the first knee-jerk reaction happened, which became phase two of why they suck. And that's that all the studios are like, okay, fine. If people don't want us to like try and make sense of their movies, why don't we just make their movies fit into our – or make their games fit into our movies? 
as in like let's just go generic with everything and i think that's where we saw like the tomb raiders and the silent hills and the resident evils and the need for speed and the uh, doom and the all those movies even prince of persia all those movies were like hey well this one aspect of the game is true we have a genre that does that let's meld them together so like tomb raider for example laura croft sure is a popular gal she has a very iconic look and she goes on adventures so what if we put her in an action movie i mean we could throw her manor in there yeah she lives in a big house okay and she has two guns and wears a tight shirt perfect make a movie but like that's all that matters in the game like, that's kind of the mindset they've had up until very recently, I feel like. Yeah. Like, because Doom, they even, I remember Doom, they did some stuff where, like, oh, we're going to do, like, first-person scenes. Like, it'll be, like, you're looking down the gun. But the movie was still just, like, a sci-fi, like, alien invasion, quick action movie. Or, like, Need for Speed was literally, they're like, that Fast and Furious sure is popular. What if we took this video game that kind of borrows from Fast and Furious and then make it into a Fast and Furious? Wouldn't that be cool? Like, it's all, they just went, like, generic. Which definitely is not a you know if they're looking at the first wave of movies and they're like oh we tried to get weird with mario and it didn't work we tried moral combat we made multiple but like all they're doing is that's fighting. pretty much the other half of what you were saying with yeah. like that's like the the other half of the world of warcraft thing like oh yeah specific for the fans this one's like to try to get as big an audience as possible yeah, like everything happening now with movies is like a weird amalgamation of they have premises they don't know what to do with and they want to try to appeal as many people as possible so they, they either do one of the two or they do some weird hybrid where it's like sort of kind of related to the game but also very reminiscent of a cookie cutter movie. They're just inserting, they're making, the cookie dough is the game but it's, they're fitting it into the pre-made cookie cutters of what makes a successful blockbuster movie. Which yeah. I don't think that necessarily works either. Like, and, and to be fair, like the Need for Speed movie I actually kind of like. Partly because um, all the car stuff, all the stunts and stuff were practical. They were all done for real with real cars which is kind of neat but yeah uh, but even then it was so loosely based on the game like i oh pink slips oh police chases yep those are those are in need for speed that's right but yeah so I mean, how much how deep of a game was he for speed that's the that's the right, point yeah. they yeah they're just like well we know that they go racing put it in there <laughs> i think i think the one exception to this idea of like going too generic um were the uh U bowl movies oh. <laughs> that guy Blood Rain and those. And Postal and all those. This was a guy, this was big in like the what, early 2000s, mid 2000s. This was a guy who somehow got the rights to all these movies or all these games and made them into really crappy movies. But he tried to stay true to them a bit more. Like the concept of them wasn't horrible. He just wasn't good at making movies. Like Blood Rain, he actually tried to retell the mythology and stuff and it's like, okay. But I guess you could also argue it was an underworld ripoff. So maybe it is the same cookie cutter generic situation, but like he he was really bad at what he did, and he didn't know what he didn't <laughs> know about the games well enough. But yeah. I feel like he had the right intentions. He just really sucked at it. <laughs> no offense to him, but I don't know. It's it's been weird. So now, kind of like you're saying, I think we are at that weird point, like the inflection point of all this, where it's like they are trying to merge them. And Warcraft maybe didn't work as well because they leaned too much in one direction. And Ratchet and Clank didn't work too well because it fell in that same direction. And Angry Birds maybe is doing a better job. Yeah, it seems it like seems Angry well Birds received. is going in the right direction. Yeah, because Angry Birds, I mean, at the at the core of the movie, it's the exact same premise as the game. Pigs come to an island. Pigs want the eggs from the island. The birds get angry. The birds use a giant slingshot. The end. So, granted, that's three sentences versus one that Mario had. But they didn't start making crap up where it's like, 
Oh, well, the birds are angry. You know what happens when the birds get angry, guys? <laughs> Everyone knows, right? We've all played the game. They turn into ostriches and then stampede, obviously. Like, they stay true to what Angry Birds is, even if it is a very rudimentary thing. Oh, yeah. So maybe that's why it's working better. I, oh, yeah. I mean, I also like that they just, um, um, I don't know, they just seem to, instead of trying to focus on the overall thing, they just focused on one character just to get us to just follow, like, I mean, they pretty much characterized um, the red bird the most. Yeah. Now, His like, name's literally red, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, very creative. Yeah. Now, he's the main character. He's, like, the only, like, he's, like, one of, like, three angry birds. Everyone is, like, really happy, and, like, no one, like, everyone hates him and stuff, and, no, no, it's just cool. Like, I like Holloway. Try to add more depth to the, I guess, to that world while still keeping that general, like, oh, you know, you just want them to get to the slingshot part. Yeah. But they made it kind of more interesting along the way. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. It's, yeah, it's still not, I mean, based on reviews, I haven't seen it yet, but based on reviews. So obviously a lot of what I'm saying is based on, like, just general feedback about movies versus my personal opinion. But based on reviews of Angry Birds, it may not be the best anime movie ever, but at least it, like, feels like angry birds like it seems like no one's like this doesn't this is no one's having the reaction to angry birds they had to mario or no, anything like um yeah like someone um that i know like that went to see it recently like they honestly expected it to be terrible they were just going like they went in with like like oh okay an angry birds movie what can they possibly do yeah and he came out going like oh wow this is actually pretty good like because i mean when you have really bad expectations like they could have done the bare minimum and it'd be okay but he wasn't expecting like uh, an interesting story some he said, like, some good jokes here and there, and it was just really well animated. So, I mean, we're doing something right. Yeah, and I think that kind of now brings us to why perhaps this is the perfect time for Nintendo to jump in. Regardless of regardless of what they end up churning out. Fact of the matter is, we're now in a situation where, like we were saying with comic books, there can be a Marvel-style company that comes in, learns through all the trials and tribulations of everyone else, and does it right. Rovio and Sony were on the right track with Angry Birds. Now, if someone can come in kind of do that and look at something like Wreck-It Ralph which captures like what a video game's vibe should be without actually necessary reference. Yeah, because I mean no one had the advantage yeah. of it not trying to be any specific video game movie. It was yeah. just a movie about But it video still fe- felt very video game. Oh no, well yeah, I mean video gamey. Like it felt right. So No, oh, yeah, I mean so it, some, it brought a yeah. lot but I mean sometimes the best route is to make original stories like we said like if they were to make a Zelda universe one. Right. Yeah, like it'd probably be more successful to make up just make up a completely new character and just maybe just follow him and see how the world around him is impacted by Ganon's evil doings. Yeah. I don't know. So, so I, I don't, and I think, I keep saying, I think this could be, Nintendo could be the Marvel, they could be the savior. Cause I, with all these new game movies came new game movie announcements and every single one looks to fall back into the same traps we've seen before. In fact, it almost looks like the industry's knee jerking back the way it came. It's so like we went from these games that are like too basic in premise to these games that get really generic to games that seem to be trying to do it right and, pay tribute to what they pay homage to what they're coming from you know warcraft or whatever but now there are four separate movies announced within a week of each other that literally backpedal all the way back to the mario situation so i think if nintendo comes in and learns correctly from all these past issues they are the them and maybe ubisoft are like the saviors at this point because i don't think tetris movie is going to be the one that finally fixes things like, you can't ask for a more storyless game if you tried. So, to catch you up on what Tetris movie is, it's actually a trilogy about blocks falling. Sort of. This company called Threshold Entertainment, um, they announced they're going to pour $80 million into a live-action Tetris movie that will be, quote, a sci-fi epic, with the plan to become a trilogy. 
It's uh, the producer is the guy behind the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie, so that's a red flag. And the other producer, the guy that's actually financing it, is some um, like wealthy Chinese businessman, businessman who's going to make this like a China-centric movie. So it's actually going to be filmed in China with a Chinese cast, with the intention of going worldwide with it. Hmm. So there are many things here that as an American who's familiar with Tetris, I'm like, these seem weird. But to me, this is really the prime example of a movie with the, like, there's a one-sentence premise, we gotta do something with it. And we know those don't work. We just went through why those don't work. Like, in great detail. And then here comes Threshold Entertainment, who's like, hey guys, we know the premise of this movie is, hey, there are blocks falling and it's in the Soviet Union. But what if the blocks aren't falling? What if they're floating in a gravityless space? And what if it's not the Soviet Union, but aliens? Like, I don't know if any of this is true, but the, the point is, like, nothing about this has anything to do with anything except in name. But they're telling us it's going to be, quote, cool. So, well, that's so, good. I mean, all right. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm, I'm sold. But, yes, yeah, so, like, that's just one example of the problem. Like, that's one example of, like, they're not going to save video game movies. Neither is uh, Atari, who just licensed Centipede and Missile Command. That's all we know. Centipede and Missile Command are becoming movies. Both of those also have single-sentence premises. premises. So, on one hand, they could be like the Battleship movie and still actually... The Battleship movie wasn't good, to be clear. But what it did right was there was a movie about ships that battled. It was true to what it was, at least. And at one point, they actually do a live battleship grid on the sonar screen. And it's literally like, the ships are in red. And he's like, what's on marker B5? Is that an enemy? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, fire. Like, for real, in the movie. Like, in a war zone situation. But, um, so like Missile Command, they're commanding well, missiles. making a movie about battleship. What do you expect? Yeah, I know. But my point is, like, even that. Even though that's so stupid, at least it was somewhat true to the concept of ships battling. So Missile Command, as long as they're commanding missiles, I guess they're okay. Centipede, they already did in Pixels. I'm not sure why we need a whole movie about it. Um, Oh, and I forgot the last movie that was announced this past week. Also, one note movie here. Fruit Ninja. They're making Mm. a movie about Fruit Ninja. Best part, it's a live-action family comedy. I can feel the cringe already. (laughs) Like, this sounds... Well, there are characters yes that game. one that one actually of the four that one well, you know, has I mean, the like, most potential because it has a bit of a plot compared to the other three you know that has the sensei it's, and like, it's like it doesn't really sound that much different from angry birds like if you if that, work. like if that announcement was like for angry birds like if that movie didn't exist like oh angry birds is just birds getting angry over their stolen eggs yeah but at least that's more of a premise than um tetris Oh, no, 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 yeah, that's <laughs> no, it, that's it, and, and kind of in a, I mean, a hopeful, optimistic way for Fruit Ninja, like, at least yeah. that one has some stuff going I for it. I think of the four, that has the most potential, of the four I just read. Or Somehow, of the, yeah. these are, like, the iPhone games, I mean, the app games, they're that's the ones the that... That's now, it's, it's crazy, but, but yeah, I think, like, the point I'm making with sharing all these is, like, we're at, like, the, the, the movie studios are spinning their wheels with what to do with video game movies, it seems like, so... Unless someone is like, we need to treat Tetris like we treated Warcraft and really go for those Tetris fans out there and reference all the different Tetriminos, that's what they're called, the blocks, as much as possible. I'm, which probably It's not work. an obscure word, Jason. Uh, I feel like no one knows that. Really? Though. Tetrimino? Oh, I don't know. I guess I, I just assumed everyone did. Uh, well, we're gaming. Should I not have? Of course, we know. Maybe not. Well, 
let's do an informal poll. Hey, listeners, raise your hand if you've heard the term Ted Truman now. We have cameras in all your homes, and we will see your hand raised. We monitor them 24-7, so whenever you listen to this, we'll know. But, um, yeah, like I feel like if these are the movies that we're getting as the next wave of video game movies, I really hope Nintendo is the savior, or Ubisoft even with Assassin's Creed. I don't know, just someone. So, so that's kind of, I think, where games are at, or movies about games are at. Like, it's... We've made progress. We have definitely made progress. But there's still so much more progress to be made. Yep. Sounds like I'm talking about like some sort of serious socio-political issue. But Anyway, so the funny thing is, and this is a bit of a pivot, but the funny thing is that while the movie industry can't seem to figure out how to do video games well, it seems like in the time that they've been spinning their wheels and struggling, the video game industry has figured out how to properly or not properly make movie or games based on movies. So, like, that would be kind of interesting if we flip the conversation and just sort of talk about, like, what the the ups and downs and where we are now with movie-based games. Well, because there's seems, definitely been a shift in the last generation. Well, it just seems like they've slowly disappeared yeah. into, I don't know, now it's just, like, Lego movies. I mean, there used to be a ton back then, like, almost every, every movie had it. I yeah. never remember and movie. all the ones that were handled by Capcom, basically all the Disney movies, mm-hmm. were actually really good. Like I really love The Lion King, like Aladdin, like those two come to mind. Well, I think what happened. It's interesting because like it's like Super Nintendo, NES, Super Nintendo, N sixty four, GameCube were like the movie game machines. Then yeah. somewhere around PS three, Xbox three sixty, Wii, it started dropping very quickly. I'm guessing part of it was the rising cost of development for games. Just didn't make sense to make these licensed properties that would sell eh and be eh. But the uh, the reason they were eh is because just they tried to make everything into a game and it didn't work. Like I think what the industry figured out that the movie industry hasn't is you can't convert everything into a different medium. Like some games, some movies become very good games. James Bond feels perfect for video games because James Bond is literally the structure of a video game in a movie. He goes mission to mission, which is like level to level, does a task, completes the task, and at the end of the movie, he's the final boss, and he defeats him, and that's it. They're very compartmentalized. They're different locations for each set piece. It's as if you're watching a video game. Star Wars does something similar. There's a lot of just like set piece to set piece. Anything that's set piece to set piece can pretty easily turn into a game, I feel like. So that's why I think GoldenEye was like the pinnacle of licensed games, because it was like pretty much one-to-one with what a video game is already. When I see a lot of like... Random. I mean, like that one always like comes up like yeah. way on top. But the one that I always see like probably like always praised for being like one of the best video games was Spider Man Two. Yeah, it's the same exact thing. Because yeah. Spider Man. Um, oh, your computer's chiming. Don't worry, listeners. That's none of you that got an email. It was Angel that got an email. But um, yeah, no, it's Spider Man's another one because if you look at the movie, superhero movies in general, you would think because if you look at the movies, it's very set piece to set piece. It's very you did this, good job. Now go over here and do that. Okay, Iron Man, now we need you back in this third place, and a game can follow that really easily. Yeah. But then what they tried to do is games that aren't quite as easy of a narrative flow or easy of a level structure. Um, they tried to shoehorn into like games. Like remember Enter the Enter the Matrix by Infogrames. Oh, yeah. So that was the idea of that was what if you had an open world like the Matrix and you could run around and do stuff like the Matrix, except. The Matrix has a story, and yes, in theory, Neo can pop into the Matrix whenever he wants and do whatever he wants, but there's a ton of Matrixy things going on that nobody cares about because they're just living in their little Matrix life. 
like a Sims game would probably be a better representation of the Matrix than Enter the Matrix was. So they tried to do like this weird like half open world, half not thing, and it wasn't well built to begin with. And I think that was part of the problem is they pay so much for these licenses and they put so much money into these weird ideas that don't even match the movie perfectly that by the time it comes out, it's not good. And then the reputation of movie games goes down. And that's why, you know, Lion King, even though it was like super good on Super Nintendo as a platformer, that's why you're not seeing like Finding Dory, the platformer for... There was a Finding Nemo game though. You're right, because that's from that era still. Or, yeah. Yeah, no, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I think the reputation of them botching this so much is Well, it kind of seemed like um, Disney Infinity was trying to take care of all that movie yeah. stuff. Same with uh, Lego Dimension, same with the Lego movies. Yeah. They figured out, which is what the movie industry hasn't, that you can't just kind of stretch an overlay of a movie on top of an existing generic game. Case in point, do you remember Sega briefly had the Marvel license and they made an Iron Man game? It was bad. They saw, It was just like, hey... It's an action game, and Iron Man's in it, and sure, this kind of looks like the set piece from the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 it wasn't very good. And they did it, I, I want to say Thor or Hulk or one of those. But, um, yeah, I think they started to learn the industry that you can't just, like, put an overlay of a license on top of a generic game like movies tried to do with, you know, the Tomb Raider or Doom or whatever. You need to take what works in a movie... And stick it in what works in a game. So if the characters are a highlight of the movie, like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, whatever, make a Lego mo- a Lego game of it, and it kind of brings the best of both. You got the gameplay people know and expect and will like, and then you merge in the things that work from the movie, and it's kind of like the perfect cross pollination. I will say that I thoroughly enjoyed Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone for PlayStation One. Sometimes they work, <laughs> yeah. like, and sometimes if you like the license enough, it's okay. But then. Sometimes it just doesn't. Yeah. So it's 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 a little trickier, but it seems like the, the, the industry overall has determined they can't just shoehorn things. They got to really make a game that just... They got to build a game that the license makes sense for, not get the license and try and build a game. Is that a better way of wearing it, maybe? Sure. But like Shadows of Mordor, there's a good example. That was a Lord of the Ring game, and it worked really well because it was first a video game and second a Lord of the Rings game. They don't even put Lord of the Rings on the box. It's Middle Earth on the box. Like... If you build the game and a license makes sense, do that. Or if you have a gameplay idea, but the game industry used to go the, do it the other way around, it never worked. And that's what I think they learned. And that's what I think the uh, movie industry needs to learn, is you gotta, you gotta do it in a way that makes sense. You can't just shoehorn anything into anything. So, yeah, that's my two cents on that. I mean, what was your, what was your favorite game, movie adaptation as a game? Movie adaptation What, what, what? What was your favorite licensed game? There we go. I guess probably Lion King. Lion King. Maybe any of the... I mean, if we're talking movies, Lion King, licensed game, probably Ninja Turtles 2 Battle Nexus, but... We'll talk about that later, I assume. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows what you're talking about Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I think for me it was probably Golden. Actually, all the... J- People don't give EA enough credit. Like, none of the James Bond games, in my opinion, are actually bad. Everyone tried... Obviously, was comparing them to GoldenEye, and that's a high standard. But, like... Nightfall and all those were still fun. Like uh, I, I like the entire lineage of James Bond games. They all, they all felt Bond. They all felt good. You played the one on the Wii, Golden, the remake of Golden. Yeah, Night? yeah, I have it. I did play it. Huh. You played it too. Yeah, so I only got it for the Golden Controller. I, I, how much did you actually play of that game? In that case, um, I got more than halfway through before, I just kind of got bored. Never really. Had an interest in Golden Eye. It was just 
Right, you just wanted to go on controller. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I might as well play this game. And then it's like, all right, it's first-person yeah. shooter, some stealth mechanics. I mean, it was just generic. Yeah. I yeah. think on one final note to the movie industry, since we're already giving so much advice that we hope is useful to them and hopefully actually accurate in our opinions, um, movie industry, wherever you do, please do not do what video game cartoon adaptations are doing at the moment. Like, just stay away from that. We don't need Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures, the movie. We probably don't need the just-announced Mega Man cartoon, which is uh, interesting, to, to say the least. Um, so, if you didn't hear, this past week, Capcom announced that it is teaming up with the studio behind Ben 10, as well as a company called Dentsu Entertainment, and they're making a new Mega Man cartoon for the 30th anniversary next year. I mean, that sounds promising on paper. It does. But here's where things get a little weird. So the show isn't about Mega Man in the way we know him. It is about Mega Man X in the way we know him. It isn't about Mega Man.exe in the way we know him. Instead, it's about a kid named uh, Aki Light. Or Aki Light. I, I assume it's Aki, because Aki Light sounds weird. Uh, Aki Light is a robot boy who goes to school in Silicon City with a bunch of other robot children. Aki Light has some code buried deep inside him. I feel like I'm reading a child of story type book, but uh, uh, like a bedtime story. Has some code deep inside him. That awakens, and he becomes a superhero. It goes and fights robot crime with his robot superhero powers, because it's a robot city called Silicon City. And he looks nothing like Mega Man. Well, he kind of looks like Mega Man. He looks like Mega Man. He looks like Mega Man. He looks like Mega Man. There is no one that will not look at that picture and not guess Mega Man. You know what he looks like? He looks like Mega Man went, Whoa, those Tron outfits are cool. I'm going to paint lines on me like that. That's what he looks like. And he has weird eyes. They seem very far apart on his head. Anyway, the point is, the point is, it's not Mega Man in the traditional sense. It's this guy who is so the show's like juggling school and like oh the drama of school with like being a superhero and hiding your identity. And Rush the Dog is in it. I mean, honestly, that doesn't sound <laughs> doesn't that sound crazy or even. I wouldn't even say bad. I mean, the pre- I mean, if, if you were to just, I mean, pre- yeah, like use Mega Man .exe pretend that franchise didn't come out. Like if you were describe it, like all right. It's not Mega Man. He's not a robot. He's like a little program that the kid that, at school, that, yeah, kid at school yeah. uses to like do these like to battles. The battle network. But now, yeah, but now like about hacking and all those stuff. I mean, like, like, whoa, that is not Mega Man. I mean, they ended up doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I of think combining the idea with Mega Man, but I think in concept the show isn't bad. I think where it falls apart for me, and I know I was kind of giving it a hard time, no, about, but it really isn't that bad. But I think where it falls apart is his character design. Like, I don't know why no yeah it just it feels dated it's, it's just not appealing it's, yeah it's, it's and it, feel, it feels like something that would be like from 2005 or 4 in terms of how it looks yeah but i mean you could still have stuff that looks good from 2005 or 4 that's true and i mean it's just, it's just not an appealing design I mean, I, yeah, whatever I mean, they it, did to him they i don't know like to me it's not like he got tortured wherever they did to him whatever shock therapy they put him through whatever they did to him um I don't know, to me he just looks kind of oddly skinny in some areas and oddly thick in others I don't know. It just his proportions just yeah. seem like all over the place. It's funny because some fan art came out because you know how fast the internet is at fan art. I feel like we've talked about this on the show before, but like, I don't know how people draw art before the words of the announcement are out of the person's mouth. Like, like it could be like, "Hey, Mega Man has a new oh oh you already drew him. We haven't even showed you him that." Okay, but yeah, um, the fan art makes him look a lot better. Like the proportions are better, and the Tron outlines kind of look more like like energy glows out of like cracks in his armor or something like that. That looks better. So maybe they just need to tweak it a bit. And they have a year to do it. But 
But I think that the takeaway of why I was saying this is like we don't necessarily need characters to be totally redesigned. Like if you're making a a movie that's complimentary, if you're making a show that's complimentary to the character, sure. But I don't know why Pac-Man suddenly had to have human eyes. I don't know why Mega Man had to look like this. Like I just feel like they're they could have done these new things and done it in a way where they don't look quite so yeah. um whatever they are. I, I mean what it's called. He looks better than what he looked like in Captain N. That is true. He looks better than he looks like on oops, he looks better than he looks like on the box of the original Mega Man games on NES. Oh yeah. Actually, you know what? I would love for there to be a show starring the Mega Man from the Mega Man Two box. Just like make it for Adult Swim, have it be super weird, have it be a like a seven minute episode once a week, and I would watch that. You know what Shazam I'm talking about, right? Like, oh the, yeah. yeah, yeah, he yeah. came out in Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Oh, that's right. But he but he gained weight. Yeah. Yeah, but yes, I would I would watch that. But yeah, so that was. Um, Unless you have any other thoughts, that's pretty much like the movie portion of this episode. No? Yeah, it's it's just so weird how it all, I mean, it must have been Angry Birds, but it's just so weird how it all like cascaded into one big, th- like, they could have announced these any time, at any time, but all these announcements and stuff happened within like 10 days of each other. It's, it's just funny how that sort of coincidence works. Makes for good episode theming, I'll give them that. But uh, now that we've talked about games in the form of movies and TV shows... I guess we should probably talk about games in the form of games, because that is what we're here for, really. Like, we're about video games. It's kind of a weird idea, but we'll go yeah, with it. Yeah, I know, I know. It's super crazy. Thinking outside the box this episode. But, uh, so, the first game news is actually not quite game news, but it's something else Kimishima said in that interview where he talked about the movies, and as he discussed the NX a little. And he made an interesting comment we've heard variants of before but not quite in this wording and that is that the nx is not i repeat not a successor to the wii u or the 3ds instead he's billing it as quote a third pillar i wish no (laughs) a new way to play games and he thinks that this new way to play games will actually have a larger impact than the wii u so he's basically like this new way is better than that old way and that other old way it's not uh succeeding either of those old ways it's a third way but it's going to sell better than both of those ways. So, just by the way. Well, I mean, I guess it's his way of saying, like... Because I guess if you want to say, like, oh, if it's a successor to the Wii U, it's going to take the concept the of the concept, Wii U yeah. and improve on them. So, yeah. So I, I guess, suspect that... I guess it's way of saying it, it's, like, way different. Don't expect something that looks like the Wii U in any way, shape, or form. I suspect that's what it means, I hope that's what but it means. then the media... Like, all the gaming sites are like, he says it's not a successor. Will the other systems live on? And even in the interview, the question before... He says this about how it's not a successor. They literally ask him, how will it impact sales of 3DS and Wii U this year as people wait for it next year? He's like, well, 3DS is going to be fine because there's Pokemon. Like, the, He's literally like, we have Pokemon. No worries. Wii U, sales are going to get eaten into as soon as the NX comes out. So everyone that's saying this is a third pillar, he clearly is saying it's just not the same concept as Wii U. Exactly what you said, Angel, basically. But the fact that like people ran with the second quote but kind of ignored the first part where he's like, yeah, we know it's going nice to cannibalize itself. Like, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. But either, Yeah, basically. But um, but in a way, that's reassuring, I think. Like, we kind of knew this would be the case, but it is good to know for sure that, like, Nintendo saw errors in its ways and are, of course, course-correcting in some way. Hmm. So, I mean, Tata, either way, whoever ends up being, Kimishima did confirm that Nintendo won't be selling it at a loss, which is good for them. 
and uh, they're not going to make it super expensive up front either, so they're still going to be like the value-conscious Nintendo, it seems like. And um, that's good. I think I think if they tried to sell it for a higher price than PS4 or Xbox One, which presumably will be roughly the same power, I don't know if anyone would buy it. Like, if, if, if you know, if you go get a PS4, which all your friends have, you could go get this NX thing for $100 yeah. more. Are, are you just helping PlayStation and exactly. Microsoft at that point? Like, it's good to know that... You're going like, to make them look more appealing. Yeah, it's good to know that, like, Iwata, um, Kimishima values value, I guess. <laughs> like, I can't think of a better way to word it. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a plus. And it also... Um, also, the whole debate of, like, they're all... We haven't touched this at all. But this opens up the can of worms of all these rumors about what sort of chipset the NX is going to use. Is it going to be a Polaris chip? Is it going to be powered by NVIDIA? Is it this? Is it that? Is the handheld different than this or that? At the end of the day, if it's even if the rumors are like, oh, is it four times more powerful than the PS4? Is it four times less powerful? If you look at the Wii U, Nintendo's main focus is art style, and they nail it. Mario Kart, Wii, or Mario Kart 8 looks great. 3D World looks great. I don't necessarily need a game that somehow is has the graphic fidelity of who I knows don't, what. I think you're looking at the wrong thing, though. Because it's not so much like... Oh, you're thinking processing power? Yeah. Or they're thinking processing power? Oh, no, no. I mean, they're probably looking at um, graphics. I don't know. But, I mean, yeah. like, I would want it to have as much power as possible because, like, like, oh, yeah, sure, they don't have to make realistic-looking graphics, but if, at the end of the day, they could make it as artsy as they want, but they're still going to be limited in some way, shape, uh, or form. Yeah, that's true, yeah. I mean, look at... um. That's a good example. Like, Journey. Like, that's a very pretty-looking game. Right. But that's probably not powerful. I mean, that's probably not possible to do on, I guess, what was the Wii at that point. That's I true. I mean, the Wii only could only dream to do something like that. I mean, that's, a, that's like... I to- had a narrow mind. That, that's like, that's like right. totally, like, an art style that, like, Nintendo would want to do. Or, like, just anything in general, like, um, Tearaway, Little Big Planet. But, yeah, they just... I don't know. As long as they're just not limited by the hardware in the end. I'd yeah, be, actually, that's a fair point. Because then, I mean, just, I don't know, bigger worlds, more of something, particle yeah. effects. I think I got two. Razzle-dazzle. I got mm-hmm. two into the tunnel vision of everyone freaking out about what type of chip it will be. But that is that is a good point. That it's not so, it's not necessarily about just graphic fidelity. It's also about what you can do within those graphics and yeah. how much of those graphics you can have. Because I guess, yeah, they could, in theory, have 3D World and it looks great. But then they might want to do, like, 3D World 2 and open up the levels to be Mario 64 style. Or not Mario 64, Mario Galaxy style. But if they do that, that's going to require more processing power that they may or may not have. See, so which, I mean, it, it's that's a double-edged sword. Like, on the one hand, it's like, all right, we got these great Wii games that we got because they had to work around the limitations, so it forced them to be creative. But at the same time, it's like, we're kind of playing on untapped potential. Like, oh, could they have done something even more amazing if they had more freedom? But right. we don't know. Right. Maybe we never will. Well, <laughs> we, will, we, will, we eventually will, presumably. So we think. Well, I don't know. Wow, this got dark fast. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, here's one real bit of sad NX news, actually. Um, if we're going down this road, will we ever know? Here's one thing we never will see. Um, remember an episode or two ago? Episode or two ago, I was super excited that like, oh, Monster Games, makers of Excite Bots, Excite Trucks, Excite Bike, etc. Excite other things, mm-hmm. Excite name that sounds plausible remember i was like oh they're probably making an nx game they're hiring ui developers they've been quiet for a few years they finished the xenoblade port donkton port they're not doing anything right now well my dreams were crushed the other day because uh monster games is developing their first non-nintendo platform release since the original excite truck 
It's a NASCAR game called Heat Evolution. It's coming out this year on PS4 and Xbox One. I don't think they're a big enough developer that they could secretly be developing, like, Excitebots 2, Planet Robobot, or something off on the side. Like, I think... By the way, how great of a crossover would that be? Like, it's perfect. But I think... Um, 7 out of 10. Only 7? Not 7.9 out of 10? Too much water? No? Even there's no water in it? I guess I'd make that reference. I don't know why. Uh, what was I going to say? But yeah, I think, like, I don't think Excite... Sorry, I don't think Monster has a big enough team to split like that. So, it's kind of, for me, end of an Excite era. And it's sad. End of the Excite era. It's kind of sad because I love those games. I mean, I wish Monster all the best with their new game. But, like, I super... Maybe now the time you jump ship and get a, that NASCAR no, game. why would I get Heat Evolution? I mean, I'm sure it's fun in the same way that the Excites are. But it's not... It just doesn't have that Excite of the Excites. Yeah, that made sense. No, but it's just, just kind of like that was a game that I was kind of holding out hope, like oh, it could be a launch title, make perfect sense for NX, whatever monsters building and what they're building is not what I thought it was. So that's why to add that since the last episode I was talking about. It. Um, yeah, there are other games at least that are gonna comfort me. Now that I think about it, like what? Like how's that for a transition? <laughs> uh, like for example, Pokemon Go. Oh. You mean it? <laughs> All right, I'll talk. No, no, no. I want to be going with this. Continue that that thought. Are we rhyming? So, have those early impressions improved based on what we thought a long time ago? When what we thought oh, was I don't know leaked that. info. I don't know that. I just know what where everyone thought. Like, wow, this looks, but like it could potentially be really terrible. Well, okay. First, have you seen the new screenshots? It looks a lot better. No, I have. Yeah, it, second, lo- it looks a lot more polished. Second, yeah. I have no idea what the impressions are. All I have in front keyword of me is- polished. Yeah, yeah, that's what it needed was polished. Uh, all I have in front of me is the new info from Pokemon Company and Niantic, the developers, which kind of outline... We've talked before... Pray tell, what is this info? Why, let me tell you. Uh, imagine if we did a whole podcast like this. Oh, um, yeah. Like we, we're we, news we, robots. <laughs> we'd probably lose a lot of people. Yeah, right as we're gaining so many, too. Like, we've been on the up and up, and we're going to go right to the down and down. I don't even know why I decided to talk like that, honestly. I don't know, but we should do it for a whole episode. So, first up is Pokemon Go. Uh, no, but what I actually was going to say is, so Pokemon Company and Niantic did announce some new stuff that filled in a lot of, like, we kind of knew the structure of the game, but this fills in a lot of the, or answers a lot of the questions we had. Cool. Yeah. So, would you like to hear about Because I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, no, but the reason I'm bringing it up is, like, there's this interesting divide that seems to be happening online now in response to this, where it's like, some people are like, this isn't Pokemon enough. And some people are like, it's not supposed to be Pokemon. It's almost the movie thing all over again. What? 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 <laughs> no, I'm just afraid. It's like, really? Okay, that was so fake, though. I, there, you, okay, for those listening, <laughs> yes, I have notes. He doesn't have my notes. He just has a list of topics. So I don't know what's genuine and what's not because he doesn't actually have anything to be not genuine with. <laughs> so I'm very confused right now. But if you have anything, my impressions are as natural as they can be. That sounded so unnatural, though. Like, <laughs> no, but no, but seriously, the thing I find interesting is this: the split that's going on Pokemon Go is really similar, or at least what people think Pokemon Go is going to be like is super eerily similar to the movie situation, where it's like, oh, is it too close to one game? Is it too far away? How do you make it work? So I thought we'd walk through what's different, and we could discuss if it seems like it's too similar, too different, or what. And that is basically some of this we've already talked about, some of this we haven't, but basically. There's no battling wild Pokemon. You get the ping on your phone or on your Pokemon Go wristband thing, and you catch it with a button press, and that's it. 
And if you want to evolve your Pokemon, it has nothing to do with battling. It has nothing to do with stats. It's all just if you have multiple of that Pokemon, one of them will kind of go like, yeah, I volunteer to evolve, and then you evolve it. So you, it's about having like large quantities of Psyduck to get to Golduck, not just having a Psyduck that you train into a Golduck. Um, so that's, that's one weird. pretty different change. But I'm, but it almost makes sense when you hear the rest of it because the only place you battle, it turns out, is at gyms. And we've talked about this before, but gyms are basically any public landmark of any size or shape or type. So like a library, a police station, Statue of Liberty. <laughs> on McDonald's? Uh, potentially, if they have a promo have going on. Promo. Uh, like if they have free fries that they then don't give you, even though... Even though you're supposed to get them, that, yeah, that's those, 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 yeah. So, so for those who don't know, we're we're here comes the tangent. It's happening. Calling out McDonald's, they had a big billboard right near your right near Angel's house that said "Free Fries" with any case crafted burger, which is their new build your own burger. They had a sign on the register. We that go said in. That we go thing. in. Right? Could we do the deal? And like, you need a coupon. And then we like point to the sign on the register that did not say you need a coupon. And we're like, this doesn't say it. And they're like, nope. You need a coupon. We're like, well, what? Then we checked online, and it, nowhere did it mention a coupon. And the promotion's now over. We read the so. fine print. Nowhere yeah. did it so mention if a there's coupon. A, if there's a McDonald's rep listening, because, I mean, who knows? Maybe some McDonald's folk like Nintendo. They do host the Nintendo hotspots. So if anyone's listening and uh, wants to make amends, feel free to send us $100 promo codes to contact at com, and we will put those to good use for ourselves. We're not giving them away. Don't get your hopes up. Uh, but anyway, no, seriously, back to what actually matters. Um, so yeah, gyms are wherever they may be, and that's the only place that battles happen. And when you go to a gym, it's either your team's gym or one of two other teams. There are three teams that you can be part of, one of three teams you're part of in the Pokemon Go world. So you're like red, blue, green, or whatever they call them. Okay. And if you go to a gym, and it's not claimed by your color, as in by someone el- by your team, as in someone else in your area didn't claim it yet it might be another teams and you have to whittle down their prestige points by battling pokemon in that gym and the battles are also kind of um simplified much like catching because it's a mobile game so you're not going to sit there and have a full pokemon experience so you have two attacks and you dodge by hitting left and right by moving your pokemon left and right physically Hmm. it's a little more actiony it's a little different then, if you get the prestige points down enough, which you can do with a friend, so like if we went to a spot together, we can tag team the gym and brutally destroy it. Um, but then you get the gym for your team, and they can still fight at that gym, but at that point, all you're doing is fighting for the sake of boosting the prestige level of the gym. So the more you fight against whatever Pokemon they throw at you when you own the gym, the harder it will then be for other people to come to your gym and take it away. So it's a territory control game. Yes. Basically what this is, is a hybrid of Ingress, which was the so original territory So square, game. but with Pokemon. And you're not really checking in. Oh, you are checking in. You are checking in, but yeah. when you go to the gym... Well, as a, you, as a very heavy user of Foursquare Swarm I haven't seen you app, check in. Lately. I check in everywhere. Oh, you've been getting better and more. I have it on my watch. I have it on my Apple Watch. You don't need necessarily to see my phone come out because I can do it from my watch. I guess you also would always announce it before. I did. Yep. Got to check in. Oh, back when I first started. No, even no. Like, I, like, like in the last few years, like that's you haven't done it recently. Oh. Uh, I'm growing up. What can I say? But anyway, yeah. So that's that's so the interesting thing about Pokemon Go is you have all that, and then um, there's also like mobile game elements, mobile game. Things. I think you know where I'm going with this. So Micro one. Microtransactions? What? Microtransactions? Yeah. But, well, not fully. 
Well, I mean, it's a free it's game. Free to they play. have to get their money well, for, somewhere. This is the first confirmation. These people have to buy bread and That's true. whatnot. That's true. This is actually the first confirmation that it is, in fact, a free-to-play game. So they confirmed it's free-to-play, and you can earn Poke Coins by doing actions in the game, or you can buy Poke Coins with money, and Poke Coins then get you Pokeballs at the Poke Shops, which, I don't know why I don't just call them Poke Marts, but they're Poke Shops, which are other landmarks around town. So you go, you buy Pokeballs at one place, and you go somewhere else and catch a Pokemon. Um, and so you can either use in-game coins or real money, as long as they don't do something stupid, like, you can't catch that Charmander for another two hours, like they do with, like, you know, Farmville or those sorts of things, or even Pokemon Shuffle. I don't mind the in-game purchase stuff, but if they make it so you have to, like, buy to be able to not wait a day to continue playing, that would be lame. Mm. So so that, and then, of course, going along with that, um, as many mobile games do, there's you can, like, get enhancements and achievements through Pokecoins, like, things that power you up in different ways. And you can also unlock... Um, which I meant enhancements and power-ups, sorry. You can also unlock achievements by doing stuff, and you get medals that can go on your profile, so when people view you, they can see, oh, you did this, or oh, you did that. So it's a pretty well-rounded game. It's just not a full, traditional Pokemon experience, which is what led to that rift online, rift, on, rift online of who likes it versus who doesn't. If it's too Pokemon, if it's not Pokemon enough. In my opinion, this is exactly what Nintendo said they are going to do with their IP expansion. They're gonna make complimentary experiences that then hook that then get you interested in the main experience. If they mm, this isn't deep enough, I need something deeper. Well, yeah, I mean, if they oh, yeah. co- if they copy pasted Pokemon, why would you go buy a 3ds and get Pokemon yeah, Center Rim? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, similarly, um, in that interview Kimishima did, he was saying Fire Emblem is gonna be like a simplified version, the, the mobile app. It's not gonna be Fire. You're not gonna get a full Fire Emblem. It's a premise they're never gonna replace the full experience. No, all, yeah, because all of this, even the movies. All of this, the idea is to funnel you back to buy the hardware and then buy the software and then just keep buying the software and keep buying the software and everything else. Just well, as long as, they're, the as long as they're making handhelds. Or consoles. I mean consoles, handheld consoles. Well, or hybrids, which may be what the NX oh, is. Who knows? True that. But, um, yeah, so like, I, don't, I don't mind this. I think it's okay. But like a lot of people seem more taken back. You are a guy, though, Angel, who's super into Pokemon for like battle. battling and that stuff, and none of that seems to be transitioning over. So I'm guessing you might dabble in this, but not too Yeah, heavily. like Mitomo. Played it, had fun for a bit. I don't think I've touched it in weeks. Yeah, you know what's weird about Mitomo? And this is a problem with many mobile games, and Ing- or, uh, Pokemon Go will suffer from this exact issue if Nintendo's not careful. It's very, very contingent on whether other people are playing. If I open Mitomo and there's only one person answering questions, I'm not going to feel motivated to do much in Mitomo. If I answer, open Mitomo and there are 10 people answering questions, that's more engaging. If I open Pokemon Go and one dude in my city happens to be playing Pokemon Go, there's only so far I'll go with that, no pun intended. But if it's like super popular, then there's more to do. I think that's partly, though, why the gyms are claimed by teams just in a general sense. Like, this is this team's gym, not this person's gym. Because even if you don't have anyone in your city playing, at least the gym can be randomly assigned a team, and you can still, like, conquer the gym. And lower its prestige points enough or whatever. So, Pokemon Go might be able to circumvent some of the Mitomo issues, because it's not as social reliant. But, yeah, Mitomo has kind of... I read some stat the other day, for, like someone, I think it was SurveyMonkey or someone did a survey and extrapolated the data, and like 
drop off in Mitomo usage is like seventy two percent players stop playing, which is Whoa. insane. If that's true, that is insane. Like some games it's like thirty to forty percent after a couple weeks, but seventy two percent? Like that's a lot. Really bad for Nintendo. So we'll see. Um but yeah, so Pokemon Go, we still don't have a release date. There is a public beta here in the U.S. If you want to try it, you can go to uh, the developer's website and sign up for that. I signed up. I haven't gotten in yet. Did you sign up? Nope. Not at all? Nope. Oh, well, then I can't ask you if you got in because the answer is automatically no. I have not. You have not? <laughs> I can't imagine why. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this to finally come out, at least to, like, just toy around. It'd be fun at Comic-Con. Uh, no, at Comic-Con, it would kill my battery too fast. Never mind. It would be fun at if I had endless battery. I mean, you could just... Just get... bring, like, seven battery... Just wear a utility belt of battery cases and battery packs. I mean, packs. you really just need one that has a high capacity. Nah, if it's if it's using GPS and full graphics and everything, it's gonna drain super fast. I'm gonna need many, many... I know you have, like, you have, like, a brick of a battery, but... That's all weekend. That's true, actually. I guess maybe if it is high capacity enough... But yeah, so I'm personally still looking for a Pokemon Go. Even if it's not true Pokemon, I, I view it like a spinoff in the same way that Pokemon Snap's a spinoff. So I have high hopes. Another game I'm actually pretty excited about is Ukulele, which is the Banjo-Kazooie spiritual successor. And uh, I backed it back when it was first a Kickstarter. Now here we are a year later, and the developers at Platonic are actually starting to tell us things about the game. It, first of all, they put out a bunch of new screenshots, and it looks really good. Like... Really good, like really, really good. And um, they, I think part of that's because they managed to triple their development staff in the last year. They brought in a bunch of additional ex Rareware employees, and they're going all in with this one. And you so can, you can their tell. requirements when they were hiring was have worked at Rareware. I don't know if they all worked at Rare, but they definitely. I definitely remember getting Kickstarter updates like tail end of last year, beginning of this year. They're like, oh hey, you know that guy that like. Was responsible for shading shading Conker's tail and Conker's bad fur day. Guess what? He's shading our our lizard or whatever. I don't know, but like they they're bringing in as many as they can. It seems like, um, but it does it does look really good, and it seems like they've kind of figured out how to do a collectathon without it being too much of a collectathon. So they started putting out new information this week. Um, and it seems like everything in the game, which is good. This was a concern I think a lot of people might have had with ukulele. Everything in the game is collect. There are a ton of collectibles, but all of them actually make a gameplay difference. It's not like Don Kong 64 where it's like you're only collecting 100 of these and 20 of those and 15 of that because you want 100% the game. This, everything you do actually matters. For example, you're collecting pages, which are the little jigsaw puzzle piece equivalents in this game, um, to unlock new levels. You collect quills as a currency to buy new moves. From a traveling snake salesman named Trouser. Just to be clear, the dude's name is Trouser Snake. He's a traveling snake salesman named Trouser. So, mm. that British wit, I guess. But anyway, um, yeah, and there's also tokens you can collect that will unlock eight different multiplayer modes. So, every pretty much everything in the game has a purpose, which is a big plus over some of the lesser rare collectathon platformers. So, that that's one nice thing to know. The other nice thing is that um, some collectibles they haven't named actually change levels entirely. Like the worlds will shift and morph and stuff. They kind of compare it to that being like, really cool. yeah, they compare it to being, you know, how like Banjo Kazooie was pretty linear, and then Banjo Tooie was like less linear, 
Like, Banjo-Kazooie is kind of like, you go, it was very Mario 64 in structure in Banjo-Tooie to try to, like, do bigger levels. Yep. But they almost got a little lost in themselves sometimes. This is the medium. This They looked at both and went, what if we did in the middle? So it's still pretty linear, but, like, they could expand the world in ways that make sense. So that includes minecarts, which is actually really cool. They're bringing back Donkey Kong Country minecarts, but in, like, a 3D way, I guess. So, yeah, Donkey um, 64 had minecarts oh, in a right, 3D way. Did. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. It was interesting. I thought I got it there about that. <laughs> but then but, it, it wasn't, like, mind-blowing or anything. Just right. It, just, it was just there. But, um, yeah, I mean, these are all just kind of miscellaneous little details, but they're all shaping up to make Ukulele look like a real promising game. And more of the point... See, everyone, this is how you do a Kickstarter for a game. Go ahead and go radio silent, but then deliver something that actually matches or exceeds what you were previously promising. And yes, concept, I'm looking at you about my number nine. I'm, I, it's like every episode, there's a new my number nine drama. And honestly, the latest one isn't even concept. So like, I'm going on a detour here for a minute, but whatever. Uh, so the new drama with my number nine, it is still coming out June 21st. The game, as I joked last time, may or not may or may not be rushed for release, even though it's this many years late. But the new issue is their publisher, Deep Silver, decided to be funny with the final trailer, and it it, it didn't work. Yeah, all. it was as bad as it an was, anime fan oh, on prom God. night. It was as bad as sad as an anime fan on prom night, which is an actual line from the trailer. If you haven't seen it, like we have a link to an article with the trailers in the blog posters episode. If you have not seen the trailer, please hit pause right now. And look up the trailer, either in, either on our blog post or just go YouTube or whatever. But it's like, they decide, wouldn't it be great if they had a super quippy narrator, kind of like Deadpool-esque in humor, but like also something that felt like it was out of 2002? Wouldn't that be fun? The answer is no, it would not. It would not be fun at all. Yeah, it was just cringy. It was very It's cringy. like, oh, do you like awesome things that are awesome? My, the best was like, this dash can be used to go faster. Or like... To dodge Emmys, or maybe even make you breakfast. It's like, that doesn't even make sense. Why would running make you breakfast? How does running make you breakfast? What? Mm. <laughs> but it was so stupid. Um, but yeah, it. Uh, the problem was, so the game visually is not what the concept art looks like. So people are already a little like, eh, about that. And then they have this narrator come in and make it, sell it like it's like, he sounds like a used car salesman that's stuck in the 90s in terms of like, oh, I'm so cool with the kids. You know what he is? The narrator is, you've seen that gif from 30 Rocks of Steve Buscemi, who's like, hey, fellow kids, and he's, like, holding the skateboard. Do you remember that from 30 Rock? Sounds Steve familiar, Buscemi is the dude from Boardwalk Empire. He's an older older gentleman. Oh, yeah, that helps. Yeah, and he, uh, I don't remember the context in the show, but it's just, like, he's dressed as, like, a teen. Like, he has a backwards hat skateboard, and he's, like, in a high school, and he's like, hey, fellow, he's, like, super, like, hi, fellow kids, I am cool like you. Like, that sort of thing. Like, that's what this feels like. Hmm. But, um... Uh, it's bad enough that even the CEO of the co-developer, NT Creates, uh, the CEO tweeted, this is a direct tweet, and it, by the way, he censored the name Deep Silver, he did, like, asterisks over names so they couldn't find it if they did, had keyword alerts turned on for their name, so he could still bash them even though he's working with them indirectly, so he tweeted, verbatim, what the hell was Deep Silver thinking making a crappy PV like that? Unforgivable. <laughs> It's like, wow, that's extreme. So that's the latest drama with my number nine. Uh, but like I don't need, Like it needed anything else at the Right? Point. Seriously. Like people are already bummed about it. I still, I still believe the game will be good in gameplay. The graphics, no. The quippiness, no. And you, you know what I just realized is the biggest flaw with that stupid prom night line? That it doesn't make sense? No, not only that. Well, here's the full line for those who missed it. They said a gameplay mechanic would, and I quote, make the bad guys cry like anime fans on prom night. 
did no one at Deep Silver realize that Inafune and the guys at Concept had a second Mighty Number no. Nine Kickstarter specifically to turn it into an anime? And then they turn they around and go, and then they turn around and go, "Hey guys, that back that. Guess what? You guys didn't go prom. You were alone crying. We hope you enjoy our game." Like it's super weird <laughs> in retrospect. Like I mean, I know a lot of anime fans do the like anime is trash joke and that whole meme, but like it's weird when an outsider does it. I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Enough about my number nine. The point I was really getting at is that l- ukulele looks great, and I'm really excited for it. And best of all, it sounds like it will actually be at E3 in a couple of weeks, possibly in playable form. Whoa. So if that's the case, if it's on the show floor and not behind closed doors, expect impressions, everyone, because I'm definitely going to play it. Um, and actually, speaking of E3, the past week or so, it's kind of making E3 look better than it did as of like two weeks ago. Like, granted, you know, for PlayStation and Xbox fans, there was already a lot to look forward to. I mean, there's rumors of new hardware, there's the PS4K, there's the Xbox 1.5 or 1.2 or whatever you want to call it. And that's always fun to have new hardware and all that, uh, you know, hype around that. And indirectly, actually, that may prove, now that I think about it, maybe the fact that there's all this hardware at E3 all of a sudden kind of proves that Nintendo did the right thing by not bringing in X, because it could have been buried by these other hardware announcements. But either way, the point is, um, for us Nintendo fans, it's starting to look a little better. I'm starting to get excited about E3 again. It's only two weeks away, but, like, we might see the first ukulele gameplay action. I'm, you know, there's Capcom's going to be there with a full booth of Nintendo things that we didn't even think of. And Sega, apparently, is announcing some stuff. Now, Sega doesn't have a booth, so I don't know how this is going to work. But apparently, according to a magazine dedicated to licensing products, this is a real magazine that exists in the actual physical world that we all live in. It's called License Global, and its sole purpose is to cover merchandise licensing. According to their cover story about Sonic... There's so many things about this scenario that's weird. Um, they Sega has some sort of 25th anniversary announcement at E3 about Sonic. Which, again, I don't know where they're going to do it because they don't have a booth. They're just going to randomly play it on some of the monitors that are... I mean, they do, own, they do have Atlas's booth. So maybe they'll just take over Atlas's booth and have Sonic come out and be like, Hey, I'm crashing the party or something. But something's being announced by Sega, supposedly. So between that, between um, Capcom, between ukulele there is some stuff for nintendo fans it's not a total bust and of course separate from that there's also zelda which we know is nintendo's only game but we're now starting to learn a bit more it's apparently going to be two separate demos and nintendo is requesting that journalists allot 90 minutes that's nine zero an hour and a half of their time to fully experience the two demos for the record, most demos at conventions, and you can back me on this, because you've done a Comic-Con, WonderCon, Anime Expo, most demos are what? 10 minutes? 15 minutes? About. So if you have two demos that are 90 minutes, that is cri- That's 45 minutes per demo. Now, let's say the demo's 20 minutes, but they're going to show you every nook and cranny, and that stretched it to 45. That's still 40 minutes of Zelda gameplay. That's a lot more than you get with most demos. Like, that's that's pretty good. So... I think that bodes well for the game. Like, I would imagine it's like an overworld and perhaps a dungeon or something. Because, you know, the overworld, they're probably going to show up the gameplay, the gamepad mapping and how that works. And dungeon, obviously, whatever new mechanics they have. But if they're doing that, if they're requiring that much time, that that's a plus. And then simultaneously in New York, Nintendo's like 500 fans tried the E3 build of Zelda at Nintendo New York. And what's interesting about this, further solidifying that these demos are going to be long... 
is you can't just show up to Nintendo stand in line, Nintendo New York stand in line and play it. What you have to do is go on June 11th, stand in line to sign up to play it. You're given a time slot any time between the 14th and the 19th of June, and then you go back to Nintendo New York at your allotted time with photo ID, and only then, if you're one of the 500 fans that got to do that, you can then play it. So to me, this screams at either one, Zelda's going to be very, very, very different than what we're expecting. It's going to be something totally new for the franchise, and they really want to put an emphasis on that. Or two, it's just really good. Or three, I guess, it's both of those things. But regardless, it sounds like Zelda will probably live up to the hype. A company doesn't trot out this much stuff, these many opportunities, this much time for it if it's not good. Maybe they're just trying to overwhelm you so you gloss over the flaws. Possibly. But I don't know why you give it to the fans then. But yeah, so that that's something to look forward to. We're of course gonna have hands on impressions um in two episodes from now for our E three episode, but you know, there's gonna be the Twitch stream, there's gonna be people, other people playing it. You'll hear and see plenty of Zelda. But it's just really cool that like it's not nearly the scale it was, but E three is I'm coming around a little. It's not as horrible as it seemed like it was going to be when Nintendo first said there'd be nothing because we forgot third parties. Even Natsume will have, like, Harvest Moon. So there's Or not Harvest Moon. They don't own that anymore. No, Harvest Moon. They do own it. Mm, that's good. Yeah, and Exceed might be there. So there'll, there'll be stuff. Um, but yeah, since Zelda is the only game that Nintendo's bringing to E3, that means they've got to clear out their other game announcements before E3. And as we discussed last episode... That resulted in practically daily announcements from Nintendo for multiple 3DS games. Like last time we talked about Style Sight, Fashion Forward, Disney Magical Kingdom 2, uh, the first details about Pokemon Sun and Moon. Like all these things that were like just tried out to get them out of the way of E3. And it's at the time we were saying, oh, they're, it's kid-friendly this year. They're going after, you know, the, the 2DS crowd basically. They want to make these, all these games they're announcing, all the things they're announcing play nice with the new price drop for 2DS. It all merges together nicely. It makes sense. Oh, quick tangent. Yeah. Because I just remembered what you said, 2DS crowd. Yeah. So I did ask a couple of students um, what they thought about the new Pokemon. What did they say? No one knew there were new Pokemon. <laughs> wow. So it shifted to older the older crowd then. I think what it is, and I always pointed this out, um, there haven't been any commercials or anything regarding mm. Sun and Moon. And... Anything that has had a commercial, the kids instantly knew about it. Right. So, yeah, I guess fifth grade and below, like, there are some fifth grade that I know do look online, but for the most part, if it's not on TV, they probably haven't heard of it. Right. That makes sense. So that's pretty much the story with that. I mean, I showed them pictures of it online, and they instantly fell in love with them. Right. But, No, that does yeah. make sense, though, because, like, kids aren't reading Twitter. <laughs> like, yeah. there's not a fourth grade that's like, oh, man, I saw this tweet about uh, how great Litton is. Yeah, like, exactly. They don't even get the Litton pun, I'm sure. So, The kids don't say things are lit, do they? No, but they Good. do talk about this app called uh, Musical.ly or some... I forgot what it was. But it's like a... Apparently like a Facebook but for music or something like that. What? I don't know. That seems to be a thing. It's like sharing music you like? That sounds like SoundCloud. Yeah, it's, it's like you go to someone's profile and then you see like all their music or something like that. So it's Last FM but for the smartphone generation? I guess so, yeah. Huh, um, interesting. Now I'm going to look it up because I like music. And that's it for this episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, what, what I was trying to say about 2DS is like, so they announced all this other kid-friendly stuff. And we thought they were done. They announced three games that are kid-friendly. They announced the price drop for 2DS. Okay, perfect. 
No, they were not done. They had two more games. They still are announcing games. Which one? So, uh, yeah, the first is Yokai Watch 2. Um, Aren't they, it's like, a sequel to Yokai Watch. I can't believe I wrote this down. Yokai Watch 2. It's the sequel to Yokai Watch. <laughs> that is, that's verbatim on my piece of paper here. On my screen, but no, it's it's actually for the first time coming in two flavors in the states. There's um, bony spirits and fleshy spirits. So horrible names aside, because that just sounds like weird. Yeah. But ignoring that, the thing with this one, this is the one that really blew up in Japan. Like this is the thing that the gangbusters. And um, there's like I said, two versions: a hundred new yokai ghost monster creatures. Um, a new yokai watch within the game to interact with them, and a time traveling component. So all that's new and they're coinciding this with the second season on disney xd and a whole new range of hasbro toys like this is the it feels like if the if yokai watch one was kind of like familiarizing people with it this is where they're gonna start pushing really hard Hmm. we'll see if it works but um that's honestly that's something i forgot to ask the kids but if they like or even know about yokai watch yeah i think i've only seen one like sticker on the backpack that i knew was from yokai watch but other than that it's like it doesn't exist well, part of the problem is it's on Disney XD. Yeah, that like, no offense, Disney, but like in in the UK, it's doing really well because it's on like Cartoon Network in the UK or the equivalent. Yeah, but yeah, for most of it's Minecraft, Minecraft and yeah. Pokemon. There's a Minecraft battle mode coming out. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. it's one on one. It looks cool. It does. Yeah, yeah. I would. <laughs> Weren't you going to get Minecraft? I am. I'm getting the physical copy in June. Yeah, and I will have impressions in June of what's then a month old game, and it's going to be great. <laughs> Yeah, great. But but well, the reason I brought up Yokai or the read, well, I mean, I kind of alluded to this, is that it's just like another notch in like the 2DS demographic belt. Like this year in particular, feels very oriented at kids with the 3DS. Like Pokemon and Metroid are the only two that probably apply to us. Yokai Watch, I'm sure, is fun for all ages. Style Savvy is fun for all ages. I sound like I'm like a Nintendo rep, but. Like, they definitely are skewing differently than what Nintendo's been pushing the 3DS up to this point. And I think there's a reason for it. I think it's because more and more kids are not playing handhelds anymore. Like, they don't care about handheld devices. There was a survey... And I think it's an iPad. Yeah. Or, well, let me rephrase Portable game systems. Handhelds as a... Dedicated game... Dedicated portable gaming systems. Because I saw this survey from the UK the other day that said that only 24% of kids that go on road trips are choosing a Nintendo handheld versus something else. It ranks fourth behind tablet, smartphone, and DVDs. So kids wow. would rather do all that before they pick up a 3DS or a 2DS mm-hmm. when they go on the road. It's not their fault. I mean, it's just what they're exposed to. Like, exactly. um, like when we were at WonderCon, I was in line to like to get my signing for the Ninja Turtle, the Ninja Turtle stuff, but there was um, two different families that each had three kids, and... Yeah, and um, one of those families, um, yeah, I guess like the kids were getting bored, so they pulled out like an iPad for each of their three kids, and then the other family behind me, like their kids were already on iPads. Yeah, and they're all iPad minis, and they had like these Star Wars covers on them and everything, and it was pretty cool. And not only that, but like the same survey said the average age, at least of a UK kid, to get a smartphone is ten point four. So, by the time that you normally like the t- age that I got a Game Boy or got whatever or a Game Boy Advance, kids today are like. Sweet, I'm getting an iPhone, which is so much more. So it's it's interesting that like it's just the shift. Like this is what people feared. This is what everyone's like. Oh, Game Boy's doom because here comes something else that's gonna replace it. Like smartphone, cell phone games, like Snake will replace it. They were a little off with the timing and the quality of the game, but 
it, it is happening. It is legitimately happening. I mean, granted, this is five hundred based on 500 respondents, this survey. So they extrapolated from that. But nonetheless, like, fourth place is not giving Nintendo with, like, kids' attention. Not only that, but a different UK survey was saying... This one from, like, a year ago, I think, was saying that only 28% of kids aged 5 to 15 have a handheld game device at all. Hmm. That obviously was significantly higher when we were kids. I mean, you don't have... Game Boy sell 120 million or DS sell 152 million or whatever. You don't have those numbers if only 28% of kids owned the handhelds. It had to be higher, just statistically. So there's definitely a downward trend, and I think that being able to get a cheap 79 buck 2DS and then have all these games that are oriented at these age groups that are like not paying attention or might be too young for that average smartphone age, here come the games that kind of resolve that for them. Like, at least Nintendo's attempt at resolving that. Who knows if it'll work, but... We can only hope. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 Nintendo's European branch is actually going even further than even NOA is doing. Like, we got the price drop, we got Yokai Watch and stuff. In Europe, they're getting a game that's aimed squarely at the kids that are too young for a smartphone called Teddy Together. It's, uh... It's actually not entirely new. Now, I should probably clarify that. I said it's a new game. It's from Bandai Namco. It came out in Japan in 2013. And now, three years later, Nintendo of Europe's like, huh, let's release that. So it's it's actually kind of like, if I was six, I would love the concept of this game. Like, it's actually kind of cool if you're a little kid. It's basically Nintendogs and Mitomo kind of merged together. So the game begins with this bear named Teddy, who you spend time together with. Uh, he shows up with a mysterious key or something, and like he just shows up and starts befriending you. He starts okay. asking you questions. Like the game begins, and he's like, "Hi, Sounds I'm creepy. arriving with a key to this mystery box or whatever." And he'll ask you things much like Natomo. Like some of the sample questions they gave, like, "Here's a weird one: How do you make friends?" Or uh, <laughs> like that was weird. But then it's also like, "What's your favorite food? What do you like to do for fun?" So somewhat normal questions. And occasionally, it is AI that's trying to learn how to be a human and then eventually take over your child's life and yours and murder everyone with questions like how to make friends. But, um, yeah, he'll remember your answers. So it's a lot like a virtual pet because he'll remember your answers and then kind of regurgitate them back to you in different contexts. So the more you talk with him as a little kid, the more it feels like he's a real friend of sorts. A creepy little bear friend. Um, and as you go, you also learn more about the story of why he has a key and where he came from and who he is. And if he really is going to murder Sounds a lot deeper sleep, than what I would have guessed from right, just the title. Right? And, and Nintendo bills it as, like, it's perfect for bedtime stories. Probably up until the point where Tay stabs you with the key. But, but yeah, so that's one half of the game is this conversation. What do you have stuff. against teddy bears? Nothing, but it's just, like, it feels that question of, like, how do you make friends makes me think it's this evil AI that's trying to take over and learn from you in order to then murder you and become king of your house. <laughs> but I don't know. But fine, we'll keep it. We'll keep it. With you. Sounds like you had a bad experience. I mean, I a... might have um, woken up once to a teddy bear strangling me. His <laughs> name was Ted. He has a hit series of movies now. But uh, no, it's um, yeah. So that's half of what he does. The other half of the game is more Nintendo dogs, and you take care of Teddy. You raise him in order so he can come back and kill you. But mm-hmm. no, um, you raise him like a virtual pet. So you feed him with the touch screen with different mini games. You bathe him. You clothe him. You get this is how this is how european this game is you can unlock clothes and special lollies which is what they call lollipops over there that will um give him new fur colors and you can also get like seeds to grow in the garden to make him new food and it's it's basically nintendogs but the dog talks back to you and wants to learn about how to make friends hmm. 
and then tells you where his key comes from and presumably doesn't murder you. But uh, there's also amiibo support. This this is surprisingly deep for a kids for a game for kids. You can um, gain extra stuff. I think it's extra lollies, perhaps, by tapping an amiibo a day. That's literally all amiibo does. You could also just hit the A button if they made it so, but I guess they want amiibo in there. I'm hoping that means for the little kids, you, they, Nintendo can indoctrinate them by uh, scanning Mar- scan Mario and you get a Mario outfit for Teddy. Scanning Sonic and he grows some blue weird hair things. Like, it'd be cool if they did that, but I, who knows if they will. But, um, yeah, if that doesn't sound kid-friendly enough to you or, like, definitely not relevant to your interests... Here's the thing that will seal the deal, that this is definitely aimed at a younger demographic. In the press release, and I've never seen Nintendo do this before, they actually made a point of stressing that there is zero online connectivity in Teddy Together. They said directly that no words entered into the game are shared with Nintendo or third parties. They made a, a selling point of the game is what your child says to Teddy does not go to any advertising agency. Does not go to Nintendo. Does not go to anyone. Well, I mean, wouldn't that be one of the first things you would wonder? No, I know it's it's a good thing, but not that. That's cool. It's yeah, it my but I think like a diary. I think it's interesting because it signif- It really hammers home the idea, like not only is this game obviously for little kids, but like they are angling this at an audience that won't necessarily be playing video games. They're going they're calling him bedtime stories. They're calling it a virtual like they're saying you have bedtime adventures with him. You he's a virtual pet. You feed him. You they have stuff like it helps build it helps uh, your child have better I can't remember the exact wording, but it's basically like it makes your child feel better about himself because like Teddy is responding to him and offering new ideas based on what the kid says to him in the first place and things like that. Like better self yeah, better interpersonal skills better like self-awareness all sorts of stuff so it's definitely a market Nintendo's not targeting and if like I said if I was 5 or 6 I'd eat this game up and Nintendo would murder me in my sleep and it'd be great I don't know why I keep obsessing over that you really are obsessing with that it's a little weird it's as if I have a deep dark secret well you you don't have so many plushies so I'm still trying to I actually used to have a ton as a kid like a ton I had a whole See, pop this, this, this kind of supports that. I yeah, I had a to. ton, and and then I, I burned I them all because I, I, I didn't I, trust I, I them. I may have walked into my room and they were doing a satanic ritual with a fire. I, I'm I'm not confirming nor denying, but yeah, no, it was. I, I did love them dearly, hmm. but we we really can't end our news segment on that. Like, no, I refuse to end our news segment on me talking about murderous teddy bears having satanic cults in my room. So instead, we're gonna end with a game that's more up our alley and that is monster hunter stories just real quick because we're not really talking about the game actually a little more specific uh when it launches in japan october it's now confirmed that monster Hunter stories is getting its own line of amiibo which i feel like is of great interest to you more than me because you're a big monster hunter guy i am what, what are your thoughts on this you gonna buy them if they come stateside the amiibo look great except for the cat i hate the cat <laughs> okay, so for those who don't know, there are three amiibo that are launching with the game. Seriously, like, how could they mess up the cat? Like, the cat, like, its normal design is pretty adorable. Just, I don't know, just it looks like a cat uh-huh. with a short tail. But then you have their, I guess, very stylistic cat that they use for all their marketing. That yeah, I, I still would say it's still an appealing design. And then I don't know, I just find it weird that. All the monsters are pretty much still on model to their um, mainline Monster Hunter games. 
Except for for whatever reason, this cat has like a giant head, weird eye, chibi. Not even because like I would say like the other cats like the cats that they normally put in their advertising are already mm-hmm. chibi, but this cat just has really weird proportions for a head. It looks like his head is like a balloon, and then his eyes just like they're just creepy. I don't know. <laughs> they're weird. Nevo's like this too. Yeah, I don't know. He just looks. I don't know, very ugly to I've me. I've always huh? seen the other ones. There are three that come out with the game in October, and I've always seen the two gender variants, where it's like the protagonist writing whatever yeah, monster he's writing. Yeah, the one-eyed Rathalos. Yeah. That thing right there. For those at home, he's pointing at one in his room. Not the amiibo, but a different figure. The Yeah, the red dragon thing. I could verbally describe to all of you what it looks like. Piece by piece, plastic by plastic, but I choose not to. But yeah, it's... um. What was I going to say? Yeah, it's it's... It's interesting they're doing this. This is the first time, as far as I know. Oh, look at it. So ugly. Uh, oh, a picture. Oh, my God. Why does he have buck teeth? I don't know, but I don't like anything about it. Man. Again, to listeners that can't <laughs> see what we're looking at, I could verbally describe to you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but, no, it's... Uh, you should buy that Amiibo just to snap it in two. No. And then feed it to Teddy together <laughs> so he doesn't kill you in your sleep. I'm running with this joke for the rest of the show. I'm sorry. Um... If you must. Yeah, but no, it's, it's, this isn't, at, on a broader level than just how ridiculous that cat looks, this isn't, the thing that's most interesting to me about this is this is the first time that, um, a third party is getting its own line of Amiibo. I mean, obviously Capcom has Mega Man, so they have an Amiibo already, and we've seen third parties get Amiibos that are separate from current lines, like the Shovel Knight one is a one-off, but this is the first time that Nintendo's actually like, hey here's your chance to make an entire line of Amiibo of your own with multiple waves. Like, there's going to be three at launch and then more to follow. I think five more to follow is what they've confirmed. See, look, that's how you did the cat. Apparently, in Japan, for Monster Hunter X, which is what Generations is called over there, Yeah, I guess I missed the announcement that they were doing Star Fox costumes. Uh, oh, that, that cat, okay. That yeah. looks like just a normal cat that's wearing a Star Fox Yeah, outfit. see, like, you can't really mess that up. No. Which apparently but they, they did. did. Again... For the third time now, folks, I can tell you what we're looking at, but I'm choosing well, not to. Here's the chibi version that I'm sure you've seen. Yes. I, which Now for the fourth time, I can share what we're looking at, but instead we're just going to leave you in the dark. Oh, and a fifth picture with two pictures. Within. We're up to seven things I'm visually seeing that I'm not telling anyone. Pretty much. This is I, going I, I pulled great. up. I just riveting it, radio. I, I Google image search um, Monster Hunter Cat. And you can too. <laughs> and they all look a million times better than... The dumb Monster Hunter stories cat. We do have a link to an article that does show the amiibo, so can we see the Honestly, like, one? that cat almost ruined the whole game for me. That's really sad. I'm sorry. I know. It. Sorry for... I, I wish I could get over it, but, like, where everything looks so nice and pretty, and then you get this thing. <laughs> you refuse to even call it a cat. It's just a thing. Like, seriously, like, it's almost like whoever designed the cat didn't design anything else i don't know i didn't expect you to be so passionate about this cat i really like the cats in the I, game see personally i brought this up because i find interesting that amiibo or like third parties can now leverage amiibo as a, as a thing but you're just going all in on the cat which is great but like i wasn't even i didn't even know the cat i didn't know you're so passionate about the cats cat. are a pretty big part of um why monster hunter is a pretty entertaining game, like, dialogue-wise. Well, they're, they're the comedy relief, right? Yeah, they're comedic relief, and the writing is filled with puns. Relief, yeah. yeah. So, yeah they they, yeah. they 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 carry a lot of the puns in the in the game, and it's just funny. I just like... They, well, they now they look as funny as they speak. Sure. There we go. Yeah, but not the good kind of funny. Yeah. 
Anyway, I don't even remember. What were we talking about? Amiibo? Well, no, oh, yeah. yeah the right. reason I brought it up, I just thought it was interesting. I started to say... Two waves of three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but I thought it was interesting that, like, Nintendo's giving Amiibo, not just the an, an Amiibo, but, like, here, yeah, make your own line of Amiibo. pretty big, too. I mean, yeah. those Rathalai... It's, it's smart, because, like, Amiibo's a powerful brand. It brings in a lot of money, at least until the bubble bursts, if it bursts. Like, I think we may Unless see... Unless you're Animal Crossing. Yeah. But I think we could see Nintendo almost leveraging... Like, well, first of all, let me back up. Nintendo and Capcom have always been really close about Monster Hunter. I mean, every single Monster Hunter is a special edition 3DS. Uh, the game's practically exclusive to Nintendo now. Like, this is definitely, like, a trade-off thing where Nintendo's like, okay, we're going to support you with marketing, we're going to support you with special editions, we're now going to support you with Amiibo. And if it's anything like how Yacht Club Games had to do the Amiibo, all Nintendo's doing is licensing them the Amiibo name and tech. Like, Capcom's probably producing the phys- figurines themselves. But nonetheless, the fact that Nintendo's going to go, hey, here's our cash cow of Amiibo, we will share it with you in return for your game, that could be a pull of sorts for at least some other third-party games. Like, I don't think... Ev- not every game makes sense as an Amiibo tie-in, obviously. Like, I don't think we're going to see, like... I can't see Grand Theft Auto Five coming to NX, and it's like, hey, get your own like real street prostitute amiibo. Like, no, that doesn't work. But some games, Overwatch maybe, like some amiibo could be kind of an extra little thing where Nintendo go, hey, if you bring the game to our system, you'll get revenue from our fan base that might only own our system. Plus, you can double down and get basically free money if you want to invest in the amiibo idea too, because we have the fans that will buy it. You have the characters they may want. We can make it happen. Like, that's something no other Team system can offer. Yeah. But it's, it's a thing that, you know, Sony and Microsoft don't have a counter for. So it's an extra little way to get some third-party support. Perhaps. It'll be interesting, it'll be interesting to see if other um, third-parties do similar things in the future. Um, and whether, you know, whether it's a real expansion, you know, a real uh, incentive for other companies or not, it's still kind of cool to see this happen. Because we talked about, I don't remember when, a while ago, within the last four, five, six episodes, we talked about what's next for Amiibo, and I made the content, I think we're going to see more third-party integration, and then boom, like, a couple months later, here we are, and Nintendo and Capcom are doing exactly that. So it's kind of like, I don't remember if Nintendo said they are going to do that, if I speculated they are going to do that, but either way, it's cool that Nintendo's actually doing it now. Like, they're broadening Amiibo to try and prevent it from just dying yeah. so that's a plus but but yeah that that kind of does it for the news so in summary you guys you just listened to a good hour and 40 minutes about movies games that became movies movies that became games killer teddy bears and a cat that we won't tell you what it looks like <laughs> but trust us it sucks <laughs> oh and, and also some other games but yeah um that's not to say we're done though because you in honor of the movie uh, Shadows coming out next week in honor of the game uh, Mutants in Manhattan, right? That just came out this past week. Yeah, so you bas- want to talk about Ninja so basically, um, as a thing. This past Tuesday, um, and unfortunately, like, um, well, for better or worse, um, actually, well, I, I butchered that. All right, let me start over. Rewind. So we could edit this, but instead, and we'll just say rewind out loud. <laughs> yep, rewind. Time travel fixed. Like in Yokai Watch Two, fleshy, bony spirit. Whatever it's called. They have time travel. Sorry, go ahead. So, this past Tuesday, um, Platinum Games released their Ninja Turtle game based on the IDW comics. And given that I really liked Transformers Devastation, which was also made by Platinum Games, I was like, alright, I'm going to really like this one. And I actually haven't gotten a chance to play it yet. 
because I've been really busy and I only really have a chance to play like once per week, which would be month Sundays, the day that yeah. this show would go on. It's also not on Nintendo consoles. Yeah, I was, I was about to get to that. Sorry. <laughs> and um, yeah, sure enough, like it gets released for everything but Nintendo consoles, just and like Transformers. But at this point, it's like, well, we. I, I'm just happy. I guess I always have a PS4 at that point. And unfortunately, it's getting panned pretty badly. But a lot of the issues that I've been seeing are things that may not bother me. But whatever. That's not the point. But because it's not a Nintendo console that decided like to talk about some Nintendo games, specifically two, that are Nintendo consoles. And since the movie's coming out this coming Friday, I'm going to talk about the last Ninja Turtle movie game that was on a Nintendo console, which is TMNT from the 2007 movie. And that one, I believe, was made by Ubisoft. That's when Ubisoft had the license. Yeah, that, was, be- that was before they did their Smash their Smash Up game, right? That was right before, yeah. Right. So if you don't remember, Ubisoft was like, hey, we have a Ninja Turtle license. What if we made Smash Bros. with it? Yeah. And then they did, and it wasn't half bad. Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't half bad. It was just... It wasn't great. It wasn't half bad. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those games where you're like, oh, man, they have Ninja Turtles. Like, oh, they can pick all these characters. Obviously, the four turtles, April, Casey, Splinter, mm-hmm. Shredder. Like you, those are pretty much your staples. Like, all right, let's um get people. Every everyone wants Bebop and Rocksteady. Oh no, let's put in a second Shredder. That is golden or something. I don't know. Just, and a rabbit. Oh, which isn't even from jeez. the Jeez. Yeah, two rabbits. Because like, one's not enough. Uh, yeah. You need them to be able to go die each other. They that, can't that do was, that. There's only one. Yeah, that's probably the worst part. Actually, I think it's three rabbits. Even better. But I don't remember. <laughs> it's been so long, and it's like yeah. Yeah. But pretty much they made three games. Um, one of them I think was actually yeah. One of them was a remake of the classic arcade game, the Ninja Turtles. Um, yeah, Ninja Turtles was the Turtles in Time. But they also made the TMNT, the two thousand one, the two thousand seven movie, as I mentioned, and that one. Um, I really liked that one. The platforming in that game was really fun. It pretty much played like Prince of Persia. It was, this a, was on Wii. Yeah, on Wii. It was. It literally was a Prince of Persia game, but without the. The time bending mechanic. It was just run on walls, a lot of so fun it was platforming. Parkour, the game. Yeah, it was literally just parkouring, which was fun. What kind of wasn't so fun was the combat. The combat, like the first few minutes or the first few times you fight, it's like, all right, this is cool. I want to see how this like develops along in the game, like how you progress along in the game with the combat. Mm-hmm. But as it turns out, um, you never learn any new moves throughout the entire game. You just kind of stuck with whatever you know from the very beginning. So it's like, oh, well, I can't wait to get to the next parkouring part. To, to bring this full circle, this is part of the reason I think that we saw light, we're seeing licensed games go down. Because I wouldn't call them half-assed. This isn't half-assed. But, like, it's, it's missing some key components no, it of what was. makes a game. I, I think this is a perfect I mean? example of it being half-assed. Okay, so it was. All yeah, because, right. I mean, like. Parts of it, like, specifically the platforming, I thought was really fun and really well done. It, it, you really felt like, like, all right, this is what you want from a Ninja Turtle game as far as, like, the platforming part. You felt like you were a Ninja Turtle running from rooftop to rooftop yeah. and, like, shimming and doing ninja stuff. Especially when you're, like, chasing people or running away from stuff. Right. But then the combat is just, like, uh, minus button repetitions is just right. boring. And you could tell, like, they pretty much just grabbed the engine from, like, Prince of Persia and just kind of slapped it on, which kind of worked. I mean, honestly, the part that I thought was the best was um, after you beat the game, you get these bonus, like, challenge missions, which are just, like, they're not even, like, you're not playing in a city, you're playing, like, in a virtual space, like, just a bunch of geometric shapes. It's kind of like the Mario Galaxy, no, it's like the Mario Sunshine levels, or, oh, or, yeah, the, or the Shadow the, Mario. The acapella. <laughs> yeah, 
pretty much it's the equivalent of that and you're thinking as a turtle and you're just like running through these obstacle courses and they were really challenging i thought that was really really fun and really cool that they uh-huh. did that and i mean that's pretty much that game we're not getting a move we're not getting a game a, we're obviously not getting a game for this current movie Brown there might shows. be i think there's an app tie-in if I'm not mistaken, on the App Store, I remember seeing. That's something we didn't even touch on. That's the new licensed game. Is just an a cheap app. Yeah. Like a game app, app game, game app. I mean, if you find this game, it might be worth like a buck. But I would only obviously recommend to Ninja Turtle fans. Yeah. Pretty much any Ninja Turtle game on this list. Worth a buck. That's a growing endorsement. <laughs> yeah. If I ever heard one. <laughs> but I mean, that's the movie. I mean, the other game, just because I didn't want to touch upon like one game that I actually thought was really good, like all around, like. Um, Ninja Turtle games are most well best fondly well known for their beat em ups. Like people just really love the arcade game, or any Ninja Turtle game that resembles the beat em up. And the one that I thought was really cool toys based off it too. Oh yeah, NECA just made those and the two complicated license agreements are only allowed to sell them at conventions, not even in their online store or anything. So I'm really happy we get to go to Comic Con. And you got pre order. Yeah, the fact that yeah, the fact that um, it just happens to be. At Comic-Con, not New York Comic-Con. Just, like, the timing of it all just kind of works out nicely. Yeah. But, yeah, so Ninja Turtles, this is actually a GameCube game. And this one, I don't know, it's also a beat-em-up, but it just had such a big... I don't know, it had a cool, like, overworld thing going on. Uh-huh. And it had, like, a bunch of characters, and it had, like, a like an arena mode. And, I don't know, I just loved how it kind of incorporated parts of the TV show, but it also had its own original stories and its own characters. So it kind of did... All those things that we talked about in the beginning of the episode where it kind of walks a line where how close to how close of an adaption should it be versus how much original stuff should it have. Right, right. And it had enough original stuff that it made it go like, all right, this is cool. Like, I'm glad I played this because otherwise I wouldn't have had this new like slice of Ninja Turtle lore. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's like, oh, cool. I get to play those episodes that I remember so fondly. It helps flush out the canon. And this is actually one of the first... Um, I think this was the first GameCube game I've played, or game in general I played that had two discs. So it's two discs. Is that big of a game? Yeah, it was a really long game. Wow, that's very rare. It was GameCube. pretty much like a you played through an entire season of the show. It wasn't like just like this one story arc. It was like the entire like, I don't know, the fight to Shredder, uh-huh. the fight in other dimensions, the Triceraton Wars, and whatnot. No, no, it, now, was, it was cool. Now I'm just trying to think of other games that had two discs on GameCube. The only one that comes to mind is Freaky Flyers. Oh, don't Midway you... decided to make a Mario Kart, but instead of it being Mario Kart, it was in the sky, and you're flying airplanes. It's called Freaky Flyers. I got for six stars at Costco, and it was two discs. Oh, well. And I was like, wow, two discs. Two discs. I don't know how that works for a racing game. Like, <laughs> I think because they had so many, like, stories. Stop, about... switch Midway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like pull over. It's like a pit stop, basically. No, I think um, they had a lot of cutscenes. That's probably why. And they were all very high like very very uh, fancy but sorry the only other GameCube you game i could think of is tales of symphonia well that makes the... sense though because that's oh, a yeah, big yeah. media rpg, RPG yeah. not a mario kart in the air which is what freaky flyer does yeah. but i mean i don't know we really like those two games i mean there isn't too much to say about them they're really old they're very simple to talk about and then the turtles i don't know they have a ton of games and honestly I would say most of their handheld library, except for the Ubisoft one. They also released the one for the DS. Oh, Smash Up? No, no, no. Um, oh, separate. Entirely. Yeah, a separate game um, that they released for the yeah for the DS. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that one, um, almost all the Ninja Turtle handheld games have been really good, in my opinion. Like, the Game Boy Advance ones, the ones for the DS that were based on the 2003 show. I don't know. 
really really good beat em up platformers. They're just well, when Konami had the license, like I mean Konami and yeah, Konami and Capcom just seem to be pretty good at like handling licensed games. At least simple scale licensed games. I mean yeah. you can't really mess up a platformer too much. You can't really mess up a beat em up. I mean there are those I guess blueprints you could just kind of put on there. But I think Ninja Turtles, kind of like what I was saying about the James Bond game earlier. Co-op or, gameplay, that's kind of a big thing. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. the new one, the newest game that just came out, one thing is like, oh, cool, I'm going to get to play with Elvis. Oh, no, it's only online multiplayer. Splatoon strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Splatoon situation. But, no, what I was going to say is, I think Ninja Turtles a lot like the James Bond games I was mentioning earlier. Like, Ninja Turtles as a thing just fits games so well they're turtles they fight they have different set pieces where they fight in different ways and different things each episode yeah. has its own fight there's a big boss at the end in the form of shredder or whoever Whatever, it may be yeah. like it can you name one other villain yes the the uh uh, uh the mean... brain the brain guy uh uh crank crank yeah well yeah I'm impressed. there we go ha yeah. and it wasn't even one you mentioned that's a on top of yeah. it i am but no my point is like ninja turtles is perfect for it it feels like a video game Thing. thing to begin with yeah I'm also like, the concept of like ninja turtles is so like nes yeah. weirdness that made, like it 90s matches. random anthropomorphic mascots yes, exactly. yeah. i mean it could exactly. have i mean for all like it, this could have easily have been a concept that arose from like something that was intended to be a game instead of like a comic book first right. and, like you're gonna say this could easily have been something that arose from drug use and i was like yes yes it could have oh yeah, yeah, yeah but so could half of mario all of mario all of everything <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You could yeah, you could really say that about anything. Yeah. Almost anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that that's my two cents on these two turtle games. You can't really find them that well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're not that... They're not they're, available on the eShop. They're not available <laughs> at your local store. I mean, I'd recommend them. If you happen to run into them, I'd play them. And can barter one down to a dollar. <laughs> um, you also would need a GameCube for the other one. I hope that you have the two discs, but... If you're stuck yeah. with just one disc, you'll get at least half the game. Hopefully, it's the first half at least. Just so. sharing some games that I really like, oh, no, and I, I one and, and one of them, um, the Battle Next is actually um, Jason and I used to do these on um, flashbacks, and that was actually the game I picked for. We picked two games, like our two, I'll say, favorite games. Not necessarily the best games that we thought were the best games. They were just our personal favorites. Per and, platform, yeah, per platform. We picked two each, and for GameCube, I picked yeah, Battle Nexus was one of them. Yep, I remember that. And in fact. Here comes the shameless plug, because that's why I do so well. If you're curious about these, we have them for everything up to the Wii. So, super everything we've played. So, Super Nintendo, N64, DS, Game Boy Advance, GameCube. You can find them all by going to the extras section of randomtown.com, our wonderful website. Yep. we we'll probably do... We should do the Wii one at some point. Yeah. At, 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 when we were making them, the Wii was still wasn't completely phased out. So, yeah. we were kind of waiting for it to be completely over and done, and it... Has been for quite some time. Just think, this so. time... Well, actually, just think, this year we could even do the Wii U's, because it's basically dead, too. Yeah, I think so. We're, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's... um, They were fun, and you... And the cool thing is that uh, Angel drew the artwork for each game. Like, we'd pick the games, and then he'd sit down and actually create original art to represent the games in the article. Still which, is, which is a really neat yeah. touch, because, yeah, makes it a little more personal. Yeah, yeah I, mean, um, I mean, we could easily just gotten a screenshot and just written our blurbs. It's way more but... fun with the art. Yeah. yeah. So if you haven't seen those, like if you're a newer listener, we did these a few years ago and I, they are worth checking out. Actually, browsing all our archives of extras is kind of fun because some of it's timely stuff like editorials about Mario Golf 
3DS. Yeah, and I mean, with Ace Attorney 6 coming out soon, you You have a whole article about why Ace Attorney matters. Yeah, just like, I pretty much recap Ace Attorney 1 through 4 and the spinoff. We also have a great... Because of Ace Attorney 5 coming out at that time. Right, we also have a great article about um, Rhythm Thief versus uh, Um, Rhythm Heaven, I think. No. It, it was a uh, uh, Final Fantasy Theorism. Yeah, with both but, of those. And I was using Rhythm Heaven and Elite Agents yeah. as a comparison point because they were kind of similar. Right. But the reason I bring up the Rhythm Teeth article is if you're not following us on Twitter, folks, you probably should because we're doing eShop game giveaways. Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix is coming out, so if you're running there. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But um, what I was going to say is we're doing eShop game giveaways on our Twitter. To, and all you need to do is follow and retweet those giveaways, and one of them will be Rhythm Thief. So if you don't know anything about Rhythm Thief, Go check out that article, see if it's up your alley, and then enter to win. It's a $20 game that we're giving you for free. So I love that game. It's a really fun yeah. game. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a good transition into wrapping up the show, actually. Uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter. You just missed Rumbo. If you haven't been following along, we gave that away the day before this episode went live, yesterday. So you probably want to hop on the bandwagon for the next three we're doing. We have three more to go. Um and also, it's a good way to make sure you don't miss our next episode, which is coming on the 12th. It's E3 Eve, that episode, on June 12th. It's literally the day before Microsoft and Sony do their big press conference and two days before the doors open and Nintendo's their thing. But So we'll have all the you know pre-E3 news, any leaks, any rumors, any, anything Nintendo-related will be there. We're also going to have impressions of Kirby Planet, Planet Robobot, which comes out... I think the like in the week in between our two episodes, we'll have some good impressions of that. And I'm really tempted to just call the episode Robo Bobo Blah or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, so don't miss that episode. And again, follow us on um, Twitter so you don't miss those giveaways. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, pretty much any podcasting app. We are there. And that's another way to make sure you don't miss it. Because right now the giveaways may be on... Uh, Maybe on Twitter, but we sometimes do them on the site via the podcast. So it helps to subscribe just in case. And if you're curious about anything we have to say about gaming news or otherwise, you can find, follow me on Twitter at JSR7. Follow him, Angel, on Twitter at Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. It's also his Meverse handle. I'm Jason R. Meverse. You can friend follow us there. I haven't said that in a few episodes, but I just did. And uh, yeah, so we'll be back in two weeks. 44th time now. I'm going to say it again. Go follow us on Twitter. You can win stuff. Like stuff of value. Like monetary value. It can be yours for a simple retweet. You know you want.